There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. Good morning, 1850-715-996 is the number to call. The text to WhatsApp, 083-396-9696. The email for the show is opinion at 96fm.ie. But later on this morning, all the talk in the Oireachtas yesterday about this Swedish model and what you should do with it and how it worked and how they think, the expert who said, maybe we should just let it run riot among the under 60s and protect everybody who's vulnerable. I've been talking to another expert who reckons that won't work here. A model like that won't work here. He doesn't say that directly, he just indicates, and you can tell from what he's saying, why it won't work here. We're so different to Sweden. It, we're so different to Scandinavia. It just couldn't work here. It would be disastrous here. We'll get to that a little bit later on in the morning. But first of all, I want to come back to a story from a week or two ago. Do you remember I went out uh, to a dirty, filthy, run-down, stinking old bus out in the county, out in the general Blarney area, is all we're saying. And I met Patrick and Adrian. They were a father and son uh, living together in this horrible old bus and trying to get out of it, trying to find a place to go and to stay and to call their own in advance of the winter. And we spoke with them about how they were getting help from St. Vincent de Paul. They were getting help from Headway because Adrian had a very bad, or has a very bad head injury, which he picked up uh, when he was assaulted in Wales a number of years ago. Changed his life completely. We just wanted to see, could we get any change in their circumstances in time for the winter? Now, it's not looking good with the way that authority works. It's not looking good with the way applications for this, that and t'other works. But there is a GoFundMe has been started for them. But let's remind ourselves briefly of my conversation with Patrick and Adrian a couple of weeks ago on The Opinion Line. It's, it's horrible. It is horrible. You know what I mean? No, no, coming into winter, fucking hell. Yeah. You, you showed me inside it. Yes, yeah, for horrible. Yeah. And we can't stop the rats from getting yeah. in. The rats. Show me, show me. Sorry, you were saying there, Pat. You, you, you can't stop the rats getting in, no? No, no. Come in. 
Not underneath there, because we brought that out. Yeah. If I was a good, but it's here, it's up here, or the eight through that. Or the eight through that, yeah, so... And, and it goes underneath the bunk. And of course, you're not far from the... You're, you're not far from the river, so you get rats. So the water, I think they're just known watching telly next to a dog jumped off the, the bunk and he took off over there and there's a dead rat and the dog chased him and yeah. they couldn't find him but they tried their best like what, what age are you Adrian? I'm 37 37 and, and you're living here a couple of years and you just want out of it yeah Jesus Jesus Christ yeah, it is a joke yeah. and I'm a sick man like I fell off a bridge over in Wales. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's a still, oh my God, that's some scar there now, in fairness. That's some scar you have there. Yeah. You're lucky to be standing in front of me. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and I know that you get headway coming out to you and they do everything. And Vincent de Paul. But you just want a place for yourself and your dad to be together. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Like, somewhere you're just going to see it. A toilet, running water, a shower. Things like that, like. We were on to the council, the city council and the county council. We tried to find out where they were with regard to housing, how they might go about getting help with regard to housing. And we had loads of people piled in to see could they help them in, in any way. Uh, now, Kate Durant, what do, nothing happens in, in the Blarney and surrounding area that Kate doesn't know about and hasn't got a handle on. Kate, good morning to you. Morning, PJ. How are you doing? Good. Now, these misfortunate lads, I, I've never seen, um, I, I just haven't seen poverty or, or degradation like that in a, in a long, long time. Oh, it's horrendous. It, you know, you just wonder how in 2020 somebody can fall through the cracks so much. You know, they're, they're a family that they weren't lucky to start with. They weren't as advantaged as a lot of us to start with. And then, you know, everything just piled on that. They've had this year, they lost, their, Adrian's lost his mum. Um, the head injury, you know, they, this family have already lost two other children. So they've just had it in spades and all they need is a break. Um, obviously, we've all got pasts, but Adrian has suffered so much that we just need to get him a home. The housing list, look, there's 8,000 people waiting for housing. Their tragedy, there's so many tragedies on that housing list. So I don't, it's not even worth our while going there. They're not going to get housed by this winter. They're on the city council and the county council housing list and no lack of respect to either of them. They're doing their best, but they've a lot of people to do their best for. But we need to get these two lovely gentlemen, one of whom is very unwell and the other one who is minding the person who is very unwell, a home with a toilet and a roof and no rats and a shower and somewhere they can cook. I mean, Vincent de Paul gave them a cooker last week. Um, he hasn't taken it out of the wrapping. Because yeah. one, I don't think he's quite sure how to use it. Yeah. And secondly, he's really, really holding out that it, at some stage he may be putting it into a kitchen of his own. Yeah. You know, and that's heartbreaking. You know, yeah. we, we, we engaged with them at the start of lockdown by starting to deliver hot meals to them every day. And that didn't work either because if they didn't eat them straight away, they were, they were trying to heat them off their car battery. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, you say these things, it doesn't even... You've seen it. They explained it to me he has a van for people That's who right. haven't... They have a, he has an old diesel van which sits next to the bus. And it's a battered old thing. Just like the bus, it's a battered old thing. But he yeah. can get it going. And when the engine is running, they sit into the car and they warm themselves oh. up. And then the electricity that's generated through, they have a little thing connected to the battery. And that then gives them enough electricity to run a bit of light in the bus and maybe watch telly for an hour. Yeah, That's their yeah, luxury. That, uh, they, can't, oh, yeah. they can't even generate power for a fridge. Nope. 
no, not a fridge, not a cooker, not anything. So, so I mean, Vincent de Paul is sending them out food hampers of foods, basically stuff that you can eat out of the tin or the pot. You yeah. can't even send out a pot noodle because there's no kettle. You know, so that's how basic it is. So we need... We need to cut through the bureaucracy and understand that the waiting lists are long and there are other people that have priorities too. That's an argument for a different day. What we need is they, we need somebody who's got a home. It can be rural. It can be urban. These guys are nice guys. They will be good neighbours. They're two gentlemen living on their own, so they're not going to be putting up neck curtains, right? So we don't need any pristine or palatial. We need a roof. Now, I have to say this morning I got a really generous phone call from somebody, but, it's, but I won't go into it as yet, offering to house them for the winter. And if we have to, then we'll try and engage with that. But I'd love just somewhere they could close the door and call their own. They will qualify for HAP, so the rent will be paid. Vincent de Paul will help them furnish it. Headway will be there visiting them. There'll be no lack of help from from the services that are already passionately trying to help them. Yeah. So we just need somebody who's maybe got a property that's a bit rural for somebody else that, that they want to let, that they'd like to have two nice gentlemen in. Mm. You know, it, like it, this could work so well for somebody. So I'm begging that if anyone's got an empty property that they would be prepared to let to two tenants who would be overseen by a team of very, very enthusiastic people who have their best interests at heart. Could they please get in contact with us, please, and, and let us get them out of that van because it's very hard to go to sleep at night knowing they're just down the road from us yeah. living in that. It's appalling. I was stressing to listeners the morning after I met them, like, these are two guys... Father and son, they love the mm. bones of each other. Yeah. They kill yeah. each other like. Yeah. They're like Bert yeah. and Ernie, actually. They, they, they love the <laughs> bones of each other. And, and they just uh. want somewhere to call home. And look, we got a lot of stuff coming in on social, Kate, uh, about Adrian and his uh. past and all that. Yeah. Look, the guy is not responsible for his past. This head injury changed his entire life. Even if, well, he, could, yeah. even if he could clear up his mistakes. He can't. He's not able well, actually, I mean, look, we're all, I'm 52, I've got a past too, right? There's things I've done in my past that uh, now I would hang my head in shame about, right? Surely we're all allowed to reinvent ourselves. And Adrian, you know, and to, to be fair, two very generous people, the the, um, the financial arrears Adrian have are not, have now been cleared by two very kind, generous people. Uh, oh, that's brilliant people. news, Kate. It is brilliant. So they're back, in, they're back on the list, but as I say, that's not really going to help them massively. We're not going to help them at all this winter, let's be honest. Um, because whilst they are homeless, so are all the people living in hotel rooms. So, so, but they are back in the system. They will get HAP. People have, have been generous enough to say, yeah, we've made mistakes too. So look, let's help this guy who's also made mistakes. He's human, yeah. you know, but he's also very, very unwell. He's lost his mother this year. We're in the middle of a pandemic. What, where's this be kind thing gone? You know, are we there? Like you can help or you can judge, but you certainly can't do both. So you choose which side of that fence you want to sit on mm-hmm. and, and judge people if you want. But you want to be very clear that your house, that there can't be any stones thrown at you no. first. And if, you, and if you're going to judge, that's fine. But otherwise, would you get off your backside and help? Please give them a few bob. Go out and see them. Drop a cake to them. Try and find them a house. Share the message. Give, give a fiver to the GoFundMe. Do whatever you can, but just... You know, can we go back to the six months ago, be kind message? Just well, I, I was just please? thinking that very same thing when I saw the messages coming in, Kate, because I said, OK, oh. come with it. We're, we're protecting their location. We're not giving it out because we don't want any mm. trouble for them. But put it this way, come with me, walk with yeah. me, meet yeah. them and stand yeah. in the door of that bus and smell yeah. the stench yeah. of just misery. Yeah. Yeah, and that's not their laziness. That's no reflection on them, as you no, know. It's due to lack of sanitation. I mean, look, you and I would smell too if we couldn't shower in the morning, if we hadn't got but a toilet. It's, it's, it's not, not them, Kate. You know? It's the no, rat-infested bus. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, it's it's absolutely horrendous. And I know there's somebody out there. I know how big hearts, what big hearts people have. I know there's somebody that will will see their way to rent them a home. As I say, the, these two gentlemen will move in, but they are overseen by. They've got a fabulous social worker in Hedry Marianne. She's just passionate about their care. Vincent de Paul have been very good to them. There are there are many people who will stand with them, um, and and. I suppose, minimise any risk somebody might think they were taking in letting a house to somebody who's coming slightly from the edges, but they're only on the edges because we put them there, because society has put them there. It's not their fault. It could be any of us. They reckon we're all only two paychecks away from losing our homes. You know, and there's a lot of people that's got to resonate with after the last six months. So, you know, if I'm not asking anyone to do anything they can't do, but if, if if you have no money to give, that's fine. A lot of people are having a tough time. Share the GoFundMe. If you know anyone with a pro- with a premises, you know, just reach out. Just reach out. Just just let them know they're part of our society the same way that you and I are. And uh, let's see if we can just if we could do this in this winter, wouldn't, wouldn't you? We all just rest a little bit easier, wouldn't we? I think we would. There are places vacant all over yeah. the city and county, Kate. Mm. Uh, now, in, in fairness, I have been banging this drum for a few years about voids mm. being boarded up, and there seems oh, to be a major so program. Yeah, yeah, but there seems to be a major program of voids being refurbished, which is which is no bad thing. But even yeah. at the time, Patrick was saying to me, just down the road, a short walk down the road, there's a little abandoned cottage. Beautiful, yeah. Bizarre, yeah. wouldn't it? Abandoned. Fabulous, yeah. Yeah, I know. Mad, madness, isn't it? Madness. I drove past I mean, it. I went look at a tiny little place. But it would yeah, be perfect yeah. for them. I would, you know, and as I say, like, I mean, I have to say, I was in a meeting last night about these people and everyone I reached out to, local councillors, Cork City councillors, everybody picked up the phone, everybody said, look, we can try and do this, you can try and do that, um, you know, and there's no lack of, there's no lack of willingness from people, but as I say, I, you know, I am conscious of the fact that there's 8,000 other people on the house list, every tragedy is a tragedy to the people that are in it, so I'm not trying to say, look, they should be put ahead of anybody. Let's just try and do it ourselves for okay. them because it's, the system's just not going to work for them for now. And then they will get into the system in time. We need to plug that gap. We need yeah. to look after our neighbours. You set the, the GoFundMe up. It's just called yeah. A Home for Patrick and Adrian Walsh. And yeah. it's, got a, it's got a target and so far there's a few bob in it, but nothing like what they need. Nothing like yeah. what they need. And if anybody has a place, they can contact anyone. Contact please, us. Please. We'll pass yeah. on the information. Yeah, thank you. And thank you so much for going out to see them. They, they gave them so much optimism that somebody actually did care. You've no idea. And it, it's kept it in the media where things like this aren't because they're not attractive. They're not anything, you know, they're not fun. Well, so thank you very much for what you've done. At no, some, sometimes, you'll, you'll Kate, make the sometimes, Kate, we get a call or a message or an email here. And I just say, mm-hmm. no, sod that. Phone call yeah. won't do. I've got to go meet these people. Yeah. And that's no, what well, we it, did that it, day. It meant a lot to them because okay. it showed them that they matter. And they do matter. And we'll... we'll We'll do this. We're not going to let them down. Okay. Listen, good to talk to you. That's Kate Durant. Uh, the GoFundMe is up there. It's called A Home for Patrick and Adrian Walsh. You'll see the picture when you open up the page of them sitting next to that battered, stinking old bus that is all they have to call home right now. Uh, you'll see Patrick standing up with his elbow against the front of the bus and then there's Adrian sitting down next to him. And you can just about see the van, the edge of the van, the van they use for to generate enough electricity for a bit of light and to watch telly for an hour. That's as much as they can do. They set into the van to heat themselves up off the engine, off the heating system in the van, and then they go in and they pull some pretty bedraggled old blankets up over themselves to watch a bit of telly for an hour. It is pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. And so let's see if we can't do something for them. It's great that that Adrian's debt has been cleared. It's great that they're now back in the system, but they're way down the list. They'll qualify for HAP. If anybody wants to help them, 
It's over to you. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette. Now at the Junction Supermarket, Vickers Road. Every day, washing and drying, done within an hour. Selfservicelaundry.ie This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Now, ever since the start of the pandemic and ever since lockdown and restrictions and closures of business and all the other rules that have just become, well, part of our lives... Ever since all that started, people have been asking us, look at Sweden, look at Sweden, see what they're doing in Sweden. They didn't lock down, they didn't do this, they didn't do that, they didn't do the other. And back in the early part of it, I spoke to Philip O'Connor, who's an Irish journalist in Sweden, who's been on the show many, many times, about their chief epidemiologist, Professor Tegnell, who's running the whole show over there and is applying epidemiological theory to Sweden's approach. And a lot of people are looking at Sweden and going, well, why are they different? And is it actually working? Now, yesterday, uh, the guy who was the chief epidemiologist before uh, Dr. Tegnell is a man called Dr. Gisek. And he was addressing the Aractus Committee on COVID-19. And he said that the government should protect the elderly with frequent tests of staff and residents in care homes. Okay, nothing wrong with that. He said Sweden never had a goal of herd immunity. Now, some people who support the, the Swedish model have been saying, well, it's a herd immunity model. No, he said it's a goal of protecting the old and the vulnerable. He said they should minimise their contact, adhere to social distancing, stay at home if they're sick, even more so than the general population following these things. He also said that they should tidy up the tracing, intensifies contact tracing, intensifies the testing of contracts, or contacts rather, and that gets on top of, of the virus. He also said that depending on the imminent arrival of a vaccine, isn't the way to go because, well, we don't know when we will get a vaccine, even though there's a lot of very optimistic science out there right now. Then there was another expert addressed the committee yesterday, Professor Kirsten Schiffer, who is a consultant microbiologist at St. Vincent's in Dublin. And uh, she said that more detail is needed on where the virus is spreading. And she pointed at what seems to be and definitely is a flaw in our testing and contact tracing system. And last week, you'll remember that Philip Nolan from Manute said, well, we only go back 48 hours and it could be five days ago when you were infected. And Dr. Schaefer, Professor Schaefer said, look, they're not asked if they were at a restaurant. They're not asked if they went to a house party when someone tests positive. And she was saying we should tighten up in, in that regard. Now, in, in reply, uh, the chief medical officer and others have said, look, we wouldn't be applying the Swedish model here. We wouldn't be looking at how they did it because it wouldn't work. And, do you know, look, at least it got its airing in front of the committee. I wanted to find out a little bit more. <clears throat> and there's a man called Professor Kim Schneppen. Uh, he's the professor, it's just a big name for this, he's the professor of biocomplexity at the Niels Bohr Institute. Now, that's in Copenhagen in Denmark, but he is an expert on the Swedish model and how it might or might not have worked. So, with no bias here, let's just have a listen to what Professor Kim Schneppen had to say. Make up your own mind. 
Professor Stepan, thank you very much for taking my call. Sweden has been an interesting model. We've all been looking at it because it's been so different from what everybody else has been doing. At this stage, people are saying what they're doing in Sweden is working. Is it time we can say that just yet? Well, since 1st of April and until now, it has gone the right way in Sweden. Of course, you had very big, big death toll in, in Sweden. It's basically as bad as Great Britain, yeah. uh, uh, 100,000. But, but it has been under control since then. So they concentrated their mistake in, in 14 days in end of March. And after then, it, that it was basically going okay. Because Sweden does have one of the highest death rates per million yes. in, in Europe, number yes. six or five, five, I think, behind Italy, yes. Britain and Spain and other places like that. But are, are you saying, Professor, that all those people died in the very early days and then when the yes. model was applied properly, the death yes. stopped? Is that what you say? No, it didn't stop immediately because it, it, their, their, their measures are very light. So this, what we call the reproductive number, they basically brought it down uh, a little bit below one, like 2.9 or something like that. Yeah. A point and how did they do that? So, so they basically did that. The only thing they really required was that you are not allowed to gather more than, than 50 people at any occasion. And after then, it was then, and then they just asked people to, uh, to, uh, to uh, be cautious. As a, be, be sensible. Uh, if you can work from home, you work from home. Uh, not there was not very much travel in Sweden in in this period. Uh, so so they they the, the population was automatically adjusting to 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 advice from the government that was sufficient. And they avoided and, uh, lockdown. They completely avoided any hard lockdowns, and that I think is an achievement. That's that's uh, and 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 it went okay, and that's. It's good, and uh, now they have some advantages for from 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 uh, other countries. It's a very you have ten million people on an area that that's that's large. Yeah. So they basically they they they, they of course have they're ten times less populated per square kilometer than, than Great Britain. Yeah. Uh, and that that helps because this disease are a city. It it, it concentrates in big cities. Yeah. And then it flares up in the small cities when there is an event. But but in uh, in the countryside, it somehow doesn't really uh, uh, amplify. Yeah, and, and that's that's that seems to be more or less the pattern all over. It's it's where people yeah. gather the virus likes. And am I right in saying, Professor, that the Swedish culture is suitable to this model? I think they have some advantages culturally. I think, for example, your pubs in, uh, in Ireland, they are. They are very suited. They are very good for the virus, and they yeah. are not so good for containing it. Yeah. Well, the pub in Sweden was open, but but you you don't go to the pub in Sweden, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, so so not in the same way. It's not part of their culture, and pubs are really uh, not very good for stopping the virus. Yeah. Something that we did recently in this country is we reopened the schools. Since we did that, we've got a number of cases in the schools. What was the Swedish approach to schools? They kept it open, basically until at least until maybe high schools. They they tried to do some, but but every below that they kept them open. Schools are not having the same role as we're used to in influenza, where where schools are very important. Covid is not particular. It, it, it's like children are not spreading it that much. So I think uh, I think it, it turned out to be 
be wise to keep the school open. Uh, what you also remember that if we lock down the schools, the children are anywhere somewhere else. Yes. And, and, and they would like to meet each other. So, so uh, I think the Swedish, the opening of the schools is okay, is my feeling. It doesn't seem to really be, be, uh, be spreading in schools, basically. Yeah. Uh, it's not a big factor. So, so, and, and it's so devastating for society uh, to, to, to close the school. Yes. Everybody gets so stressed. So, so it's, it's too, I think it's correct. They did correctly there and, and, and they did, and it was not popular. They was not punished for it. Yeah. So, so I, I think that was correct decision. Because our schools were closed very quickly and were closed for six months. Yeah, that, that all the, even normal schools for 10 year olds. Yeah. That, 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 that I would, but I, I, I don't know, but I, I don't think the schools was, was doing any harm. What has been a constant debate here, uh, Professor, is restricting the virus, suppressing the virus, using the various methods and the effect it has on the yeah. economy and on people's yeah. mental health and all of that. In, in Sweden, yeah. the economy and the, adapt, the approach to the virus, how have they worked together? The Swedish, the Swedish economy has also taken a hit, yeah, and that's because we are all connected. We, 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 we and 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 if you cannot sell your products because nobody is buying anything anywhere, then you're taking a hit all over. But uh, so, so I think they was hit also, but they would have been hit much worse if if they had closed everything down. As you'll be aware, here in Ireland and indeed in many other countries of Europe, we have what they're now calling a second wave of COVID-19 yeah. and, and yeah. I think people in Ireland are, are very frightened at the moment that it might just yeah. get as bad again so yeah. would there be any advice from that part of the world for us here that we could maybe take on board so you should really be careful with with meeting uh, with, with I think the, 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 the social activity uh, one can meet with other people but if you meet people, places where you meet many different people, uh, you can visit a number of friends, but not too many. Yeah. Not more than maybe having five, ten people you, you see in a rec. If you go to several pubs and meet many people there, or uh, shout at the pubs, or have, have, have a good and active life in pubs, which would only, only be great, but, but it's just... It is just, uh, it's, it's like a breeding ground. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's too yeah, risky. The advice we're getting here from our medical officer, our chief medical officer and his advisors is indeed to keep our social circle as small as we can keep yeah. it. You'd agree with that? That is absolutely, completely agree with that. Uh, it's it, it really, uh, because then you limit the maximum number of people you can infect. And if you get that, that limit sufficiently down, maybe just down to 10 and, and you basically can stop this disease. Yeah. There is much speculation at the moment uh, as to whether we may have to go to various levels of lockdown again. Would you advise against lockdown overall? I, I, I would really try to find a, a softer solution. Uh, it, it, it is about limiting your social service, uh, call on people's common sense uh, as a your pop seems like a dangerous place, uh, so so I don't know whether they, how 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 you can how you can make it <laughs> make it less dangerous, especially now when we go into darker times where yes. where it's even more favorable to go inside. 
being inside, meeting people inside in closed rooms is is much more uh, transmitting the disease than meeting them outside. Uh, that that we know also. One yeah. of the Swedish scientists at the start of this, I remember them saying, "Do not judge us this week, this month. Judge us in a year's time." That is entirely true. Yeah, they choose the strategy that deviates from the rest of us, and 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 they was under so much pressure because they did something that was uh, unusual, uh, and now they look they look better, and 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 maybe if it continue being them being able to keep it where it is, and 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 we have to fight the next half year, then then uh, then uh, they will look even better. Professor, thank you very much for your time. These are worrying times for us all. And thank you for your, your calm analysis today. Sure, sure. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, fine. Goodbye. Interesting man, Professor Kim Schneppen of the Niels Bohr Institute in Copenhagen in Denmark. But I think what he's saying to us is it won't work in Ireland. What they did in Sweden won't work. It won't work because of our culture. It won't work because of the way we socialize. It won't work because of many, many other things. And also, uh, Professor, uh, the, the, the guy who addressed the, the, uh, the committee yesterday, Dr. Giseke, I have trouble with his name. He was also very surprised to learn, I think, that we don't have a proper private sector sick pay scheme here. We don't have a national right, a right as workers to, to sick pay. There's so much in place in Sweden. I was talking to a friend of mine last weekend who's been living there for 20-something years. There are so many different ways in Sweden, differences between how they live and how we live and how they pay their taxes and they get public services as to how we pay our taxes and we get our public services. And the Swedish model works for Sweden but wouldn't work here in a fit. That's the, the clear impression you get from listening to people like Professor Schneppen. They have a huge country with a relatively low population density, different kind of society. Over 40% of Swedes live alone, for example. If you get sick over there or show symptoms, you're told, go home, isolate yourself, there's no need to go to work, everything will be organised, you'll be paid, you'll be granted, everything's fine. It doesn't happen here. You couldn't do it in this country, even if it does work, which still we don't know whether it will or not. You couldn't do it here. 1850-715-996. It's a bit of a Traffic update for you. A small pickup has shed a pallet of briquettes between Riverstown and Glenmore. It's on the lane towards Glenmore from the Riverstown side. Take it easy on the corners. Uh, the poor lad driving the truck is on the road trying to pick up the turf. Maybe if you have five seconds and you can find a place to park safely, get out of the car and help him. And help him clear up that mess. Morris says, if you drill down into it, Sweden has a lot of flu deaths in the previous year because despite their much vaunted health system, people with flu die there, even compared to their cold weather neighbours. This is actually true if you take a look at their stats. Now, then, then they had another raft of people who died at the start of the outbreak. There are no more vulnerable left to die in Sweden. That's another way of looking at it. They had a terrible disaster in their care sector, in their nursing homes, with their elderly. Made our one look small. And we had a bad problem back there. We had a disaster in our nursing homes. The Swedish nursing homes and the elderly people, they were devastated at the start of this. You need to look at their performance over the whole pandemic. And you need to look at a bigger picture, says Morris. A lot of vulnerable and elderly were very hurt by all this talk. And by the way, people are not looking at all aspects of Sweden. Very good point, Morris. Very good point. Sweden was an absolute cluster. 
a mess, a complete mess at the start. Their argument is, well, we sit, we fixed it all. Time will tell. Time will tell. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With a solid fuel depot. Now located at the Junction Supermarket Vickers Road. Coal, gas, kiln-dried wood and briquettes. For collection or delivery. Solidfueldepot.ie Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96 FM. Hi, it's Elmerie. Each week we bring you the latest news from our vibrant and creative communities all around Cork. Whether it's tips for the best live gigs online, new initiatives from Cork's writers and musicians, join Elmerie Mall and Connor Tallon as we work to support and keep the arts alive in Cork. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes Cork. Fresh flowery and full of taste it's at the root of what we do on courts 96 fm the more i think actually about the swedish model of things and the more i read about it and the more i look at the science behind it and can try and read it with a bit of a scientific head in my shoulders it's theory it is all theory and it suits how they operate wouldn't suit us. And there's a certain look you get. It's a bit like a swan out in the lock. If you ever look at a swan out in the lock, it's lovely and looks fantastic on the top. Look under the water and the little legs are going like the clappers just to make sure that they stay afloat. I think it makes it worse here if we went Swedish, the Swedish way. 1850 Back to Patrick and Adrian. And great to hear from Kate that the little bit of death that was hanging over Adrian from a few years ago that was preventing them getting help in the housing system, that's gone now. That's been cleared by a very generous uh, donor. And there's another offer of help has come in for them this morning. Uh, but they're still stuck in that filthy, stinking bus. Finn, good morning. Good morning, Peter. How are you? Good, good. Look, there, but for the grace of God, go any of us, I think. Yeah, look, you and I had a conversation uh, the time that Timmy Horrigan, sadly, uh, was murdered on Tented Village, and then it came out a few days later that he was offered a flat, but they couldn't find him to give him the flat. Yes. And then you had that young fellow, Deneen, that took his own, or had died in, in tragic circumstances, and we spoke about this, and I'm angry this morning in the sense that the people who don't get paid care, and the people who get paid don't care. You have people around the city who are going out on nightly runs, there's a thing after popping up on your station that the Briar Rose are doing it on Sunday collecting. These people are working full-time that are doing these jobs that the council and everybody else gets paid for. You had a lady on the phone last year and she had a big three-bedroom house. Her husband was after dying and was in a home and she wanted to the council to relocate her, to give her house yes. to somebody who needed it. Now, it's a push of a pen. That's all it is. Because how did it, like somebody came up and cleared the debt. The debt wasn't astronomical. It was not going to break a bank. It wasn't going to break the council. And if you drive around the city and you have done, and you've gone out and met these people, I don't know them from Adam. Neither did you until you came up. But these people are just statistics. They're all statistics. Until something comes up and all of a sudden, oh, we're doing this, we're doing that. The Lord Mayor, I'm just, as, as, or and Doherty, as, as a person, they could easily say, do you know what? These people are struggling. In the long term, it makes more sense for these people to be housed and this young fellow to be looked after by his father and by the system. But the system, again, has failed all these people. And they're not the only ones. If we face down a second lockdown, are these people in the offices going to come out at night and make sure that the, the, the vulnerable in this society are looked after? No, they're not. You had a guy on the radio yesterday about J- JFK and what a tragic loss to the city. Not just to Cork City and his family, but he took photographs 
of people's graves so that their family could be comforted that the photographs were all right. This man did not have to do this. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be on the radio. I know it's your job. You don't have to be on the radio every second week asking some lazy, I'm, I'm all short but swearing, asking some lazy idiot down in the City Hall or involved in the council to say, do you know what, we have yeah. a problem. The only thing is, like Finn, the only thing I will say, and I know where you're going with this, and I, I feel as angry as you do, right, but the thing about it is there are, for, for every Patrick and Adrian, there's ten more. Absolutely. And, and the problem is that the system, and it's cracked as all as it is, it has to apply Equally to everyone across the So are board. you telling me, are you telling me, PJ, and, and you're along, around a long time and you've been reporting and you've been court reports, you've been doing everything. I'm not insulting your age now by saying this, but back in the day, you always knew somebody who got you hosed. You went up the list That's with favour. That's true. That right. the, old way okay. was, the old way was done, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the old way was done. And if you drive around, if you get into your car right now and drive around the city, how many houses are vacant? How many oh, yeah. houses are loose? And it would not take. You drive down to the council yard and there's council workers and there's, 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 there's people in the trade waiting to jump in and give a hand. Pay them to get the houses made back up for these people to go back into the houses. Not pay people to go on down and be part of the system and work by the system because the system is failing. You said it. The system is failing. The system. The system. Look, the system is full of decent people, and let's let's not call them. Oh, it la- is, it let's is. not call them lazy or anything like that. Let's not call them stupid. But they're full. Of, they're they're trying to work, and you know, talking to a few of them as well over the years. They're working with a system that is completely unwieldy. So change it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, the only people that can change it are the powers that are in power. The and ones, like I the said ones you, up in the big house, lad. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely. Like I said to you a few weeks ago, that it's time that we didn't care about politics, we cared about people. And they can only work happening. with the tools they're given down the city hall, and to be fair, the tools don't exactly work. PJ, if you've got a puncture in your car, you'd fix it, wouldn't you, before you drive it? Very true, very true, very true. Very true. I see your point. I do see your point, you know. You, you, and you, you, you're voicing what a lot of people are, are thinking, Finn. To be fair, and you have done your run on the on the volunteer circle. Uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, well. I'm not. I'm not looking for smoke to be blown. No, 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 we, no. We've all done our runs. You've helped. Katrina Toomey's breaking her back down in down in Corkpenny dinners every day with her volunteers. They don't get paid. Volunteer. The clue is in the name. Yeah. Whereas people get paid to fix these problems. Yeah, it's true. No, no, it's it's true. I wouldn't I wouldn't be calling people lazy or anything like that. But I get your point. The system. Okay, maybe needs they're to not lazy. Maybe the system is lazy. I apologise if I've insulted anybody that called them lazy. The system is lazy. But half past four, these people who are run by the system are gone out of their office, and it's the likes of Katrina Toomey, you, the, the, the lads who are doing a collection in the Briar Rose. They're the ones that are going out in the cold to make sure that the people that the system have to look after are being looked after. Yeah, that, that's actually a very solid point, and I'll leave you finished with that one. This homelessness doesn't go away at quarter to five. It doesn't. When you close your briefcase. It doesn't. All right, Finn, thanks very much for that. And look, with Finn's a regular on the show, he's, he's wound up at the two boys. And having gone down to meet them, I know exactly how he feels. The system is a bags. The people working it, many of them are really, really decent people. I know some of them known them for years and he's right that in in a former life for example Davy up to uh, councillor Davy back up the north side Davy got people up and down the housing list according to the case that he was able to make inside in the housing department but they had to be on the list the system is a bags you know but look there's decent people working throughout it uh, but thank you thank you Finn.
Touching on the Swedish system again and how it was all put before the Oireachtas Committee yesterday, one of the things they do very well, for example, in Sweden is they pay you when you're sick and you get looked after when you're sick and you're isolating and you're out of work. I didn't know until the Labour Party said that we're one of only five countries in all of the EU that doesn't have proper an actual sick pay allowance. You don't actually have a right to sick pay in your workplace. And the Labour Party has brought a bill forward. The leader um, brought it into the House, Alan Kelly, and it's going through to do something about that. Senator Marie Sherlock, good morning to you. Good morning to you. Now, Alan has brought his bill forward and he wants his system changed to bring us in line with the mass majority of the EU, but it's going to take too much time, you're saying? So I think... As as you said there, Ireland is just one of five countries. There's 22 other EU member states that have the right to paid sick leave from the first day of falling ill. In Ireland, workers do not have that basic employment right and they're entirely reliant on the benevolence of their employers or if they have a collective agreement in their workplaces. So our bill was designed to give that statutory right um, uh, from the first day of falling ill and, and to all workers because it's important to say that illness benefit, which is the state's payment, if you do fall ill, you have to wait six days for that and it excludes a significant number of workers, young workers who have less than two years work experience, less than two years PRSI contributions, those who have come home from abroad yeah. um, to work and, and, and those who return to the labour market after long periods out. So, so that was our bill. And then the government uh, put forward a, 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 a counter motion um, or they would be putting forward a counter motion um, effectively to postpone consideration of our bill for, 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 for six months. And in the middle of a pandemic, it's simply unacceptable. It's, it, it's actually unbelievable that they would seek to defer any decision on this for six months. Um, because at the moment, the paid sick leave is, is, we believe the absence of paid sick leave is a fundamental weakness in the fight against COVID-19. And, you know, the, the acting chief medical officer, uh, the uh, director of the HSE, the clinical officer in the HSC have all pointed to the absence of paid sick leave as being a deficit. Now, they did change it at the start, didn't they? Um, the last minister, um, she's, she's a senator now, she lost her seat in the election, her name was gone, Regina, Regina Doherty, wasn't it? Yes. She yes. changed it. And she said that if you are isolating or whatever from COVID-19, that you can get the sick pay from day one. And that is still in place. So to, 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 to give credit, the government did introduce an enhanced COVID illness payment. Uh, it's at €350 Euros per week. And our big difficulty with that is that it's less than half private sector weekly earnings, yeah. the average private sector weekly earnings. So if you're a low or an average paid worker and you depend on every single penny of what you bring in on a weekly basis, you face a, a really difficult choice if you develop one of the COVID-19 symptoms um, as to whether to go to work or to stay at home and be out of pocket. Because the we had a, and we also point, had the instance, sorry to cut across now, we also had the incidence of people dosing themselves up with paracetamol so that well, they could go to work. Like, that's all wrong. Well, look, certainly there has been anecdotal evidence of that. And we know that temperature is, is one, but, but, but not a definitive symptom of COVID-19. And yes, there have been uh, um, stories of people taking uh, Calpol or, or paracetamol to try and bring a, a, a temperature down. And 
And I suppose we have to kind of look at the root cause of that. And why is that? Because people simply cannot afford to be to, to, to not go into work. So we have to provide that assurance to people that if they do develop symptoms, they will go out on full pay. But there is a wider issue at stake here. Um, in terms of like this shouldn't be seen as an extravagance in the workplace as I say it's a basic right enjoyed by by workers right across the European mm. Union with Ireland and, 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 and four other countries and, and we and we do believe that in terms of as a permanent feature that workers should be able to enjoy this because um, particularly with regards to the state's illness benefit uh, it, you know it's simply not working at the moment yeah. um, and, and, and the other important point to make is that if you have uh, develop a, an illness or have an, an underlying illness that would make you vulnerable to to co- to, 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 to the really ill effects of, of of COVID if you if you contracted it. Long that term. you're not you're not covered yeah. by the the enhanced illness payment. Yeah. You have to have COVID or the symptoms of COVID. But if you have the flu or some other respiratory condition or if you have a lung condition and you go ill on that, you do not access the enhanced illness payment. So the, 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 the enhanced COVID payment is only for some workers, it's not for all. And what you're saying, and the Labour Party is saying that for uh, uh, 22 countries in the EU has statutory right to seek pay. We don't and we should have. Leave it there for no reason other than time. Thank you very much, Senator Marie Sherlock. 22 out of 27 countries have that basic right and we don't. Like, what did we join the EU for anyway? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. Now, Neffet are talking about Cork, worried about Cork at the moment, very worried about Donegal, still very concerned about Dublin, a number of other counties. I don't have the 14 day figures to hand this morning because I didn't go delving into the hub, but just keeping the daily numbers for Cork in the last week. So, going back from. To, to this day last week, we've got 123 cases over the past week. 123 cases, which would give us a case number per 100,000 in Cork in the past week, which is not as reliable a figure now as the 14 days. So I'm just putting a little health warning on that. Uh, 24 is our 100,000 case number in the last week, which keeps us down the list. But we do need to be watching ourselves very, very closely. 1850-715-996 is the number. The text to WhatsApp is 083-396-9696. The email is opinion at 96fm.ie. We had quite a lot of response to the latest on the two lads in the bus, Patrick and Adrian and Kate Durant has set up the GoFundMe for them. There's a few bob trickling into it. I think we may have shared it on our social at this stage, but you'll find it easy if you go into GoFundMe and just look for Patrick and Adrian and give them a few bob if you can. They've got help frequently, a lot of help from the Vincent de Paul. They've got a lot of help because of Adrian's uh, head injury and life-changing head injury. They've got a lot of help from Headway. They've now got their debts cleared so they are eligible for HAP. So if they can find a place to live the rent will be paid through the HAP system. And we got a a message to say, Peter, there are 10 vacant houses presently in Madden's buildings alone. Wow. Caller says if that case happened in Dublin, the TV cameras would be around. If Paul Byrne went out and put it on Virgin Media, they'd have a house in the morning. Well, I'm not so sure about in the morning, but I take your point. It must go on national TV for all these things to happen. Jackie, I've been approved for disability housing. I have mobility issues, a husband with epilepsy and a son with autism. Small little cottage bungalows will not work for us. 
I have 16 steps up to where I'm living now. It's very hard to live there. I bid for a very suitable house in Balancholic. There was 500 people bid on it. Also, the new houses have very, very small sitting room areas. Mario, via WhatsApp, listening to the interview you had with the lads living in squalor, it's so sad. Uh, then we have the same multimillionaires complaining on radio and TV about losses. Maybe this is a cynical point of view, but if during the good years, if they gave back to those less fortunate, we'd have a bit more sympathy for them now. The small businesses are hemorrhaging, still show more empathy when those that have plenty of money to see them through won't. And hopefully karma will step in and and help. And you know, this isn't today nor yesterday. This I, I, Two names came to my mind over the last hour. Now, they may both have gone to their eternal reward at this stage. I don't know. But I can remember going up to Popham's Road to, to Leo and Kitty. And anyone who lives up there will remember them. And that wasn't today nor yesterday. That wasn't today nor yesterday. So, you know, it's been going on for a very long time. Decent people working a crazy system. A system that just doesn't, sometimes just doesn't care. And, and certainly isn't very helpful at times. Got a long message there on sick pay. I'll get to it in a while. But leading the radio news this morning was the confirmation that there are four confirmed cases of COVID-19 in a direct provision accommodation centre in Cork. Uh, let's go to Rose. Rose, good morning to you. Hi, good morning. Where exactly are these cases? So they're in the Kinsale Road Accommodation Centre. Is that the one up by the airport? Yeah, that's the one, yeah. yeah. Okay, so what has happened? What, what, what has been done for these people? Well, they've been isolated now. So the, the, the four confirmed cases have been taken away and they're being isolated and um, they're close contact. So in total, there's eight people affected, actually. Um, there's four other people who've been said to uh, self-isolate. But the problem is that only one third of the people there, of the residents, have been tested so right. far. So we don't really know uh, yet. Yeah. you know what the full extent is there yeah. was a letter issued um, by the public uh-huh. health department which we, we have a copy of here and yeah. I think you're unhappy with the letter well it's a bit unkind you know and a bit disrespectful first of all um, when the first testing happened they, they had a, a poster hanging up a very happy poster with happy colours come and get tested uh, it's not it's not obligatory you know you don't have to do it you can choose so you know and that was quite a happy thing and then now they're saying and that they're very disappointed because only one third of people have been tested and you know people um, have their own choices and they're adults you don't need to encourage them you know you can talk to people in a in a in a good manner and say let, Look, let me let me read some of yeah, of, of the letter yeah. it confirms that there are four cases, mm. but then it says in, in bold print, however, the majority of residents have not yet come for testing, so we don't know if there are further cases. Mm. Uh, we need to know the full situation. Testing is vital. And then all people are asked to attend a test on Saturday 26th, which is the day after tomorrow. It's yeah. essential that we have a full uptake. For some people, it'll be a retest. For others, it might be their first Mm. Yeah. 
and uh, it's it's just I mean there is a service um, that someone the, the same person who does the sanctuary runners he has made several videos for people yes. uh, to understand the the COVID nineteen. His wife is a doctor, so you know it's it's easy and you can explain things in yeah, we, a, in we a really nice manner. We talked about that on the, on the show a couple of weeks ago. Rose. That's a fabulous um, absolutely, it was. and he does that in thirty languages or more now. I don't mm. know. And and this letter has been done in English, been put under the doors of uh, people, so they, you know, it's 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 not a way to talk to people. That's you know, do it in a in a gentle way because actually you you're you're sending them away this way. If you explain in a calm way why that testing is necessary, you know, a lot more people would come. It's not a difficult thing to do. It's all about uh, the art of communication, which you probably know very well. Mm. You know, it's about explaining and saying, look, and and trying it in several languages, at least, you know, the main languages. So, you know, I know some people there who've just arrived uh, who don't understand English very well. Like, like for example, in that that centre, I know you know them very well up there. You know the residents. About how many languages are native to the people up there? Oh, I couldn't really say, you know, because Half a dozen there's maybe. oh, maybe more, more than that, more yeah. than that. I think, you know, there's people from Afghanistan, there's people from Pakistan. Uh, they already speak. I don't know how many languages. And there's Indians. There's uh, yeah. all the African languages. Um, now, most of them speak one European language, like the people from uh, Central. Africa, Congo, those places, they, they would all speak French as well. Yeah. So it, it can be simplified. You can say, okay, what are the main languages people speak? And then at least translate the letter and make so, it a kind letter. You so know? effectively and, what you're saying to me, Rose, mm-hmm. is that there were people who opened up this letter that came under their door yesterday yes. morning and have absolutely no idea what it says. Well, they don't understand because I, I, I got a, a woman here and she's from Afghanistan and she asked me, uh, is it in, is it in this center? What is happening? She doesn't understand. They do see COVID and they know there's something, you know, and, and, and people are very worried there. They're very scared. They're very scared, and also they're, they're very worried about the stigma, you know, which shouldn't be a case. But I uh, heard a woman, they're all calling me now, you know, and there's a woman who, who found that her children were being stigmatized in school already because they live in direct provision centers, and there was already found, uh, this thing that they might be carrying the virus, even yeah. if it wasn't the case, you yeah. know. And so they, they're worried about all those things. So if you, the art of communication, would be to know that people are worried and talk in a gentle way to them, you know, and at least make some translations. You're dealing with people who've just arrived in Ireland and, you know, Mm. especially in this thing, it's very sensitive. It's very sensitive. It is, and it's worrying if you get a letter, if you get a letter that you don't understand a word of and you're trying to, and you know there's a virus ongoing and you know there's some people maybe gone sick down the corridor and you're being frightened by by this letter. Rose, thank you very much. 1850 They have four cases. They're gone into isolation. Don't ask me where. It's none of your business. They're gone into isolation. And there are four more people who are direct contacts, so they may also be gone into isolation. There is a testing regime. A lot of people didn't take the test the last time, so they have decided to run a full set of tests now this weekend. But the letter... See, this again is how the system sometimes doesn't work. The joined-up thinking isn't there. The letter is issued by the Public Health Department. We've got a copy of it here. It's just in English. 
But there's people up there who really have no clue. They haven't a word of English. 1850-715-996. Interesting message on sick pay. I'll read it next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette. Now at the Junction Supermarket, Vickers Road. Every day, washing and drying. Done within an hour. Selfservicelaundry.ie Handbags at dawn, Victoria. Yeah. Um, myself and Ross are intrigued. It's an old Christmas card. <laughs> <laughs> are you having a laugh? I found a, a jar on meal and have cucumber in my handbag. <laughs> <laughs> that has to be the best. That's hilarious. I was coming from meal back home to the car, got home, put my hand in my handbag, out came a frog. So I had carried a frog <laughs> all the way from County Mayo to County And that's why we've got coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool celebrating the arrival of the new Skoda Octavia. Book your test drive now at noeldc.com. Exclusively Skoda in Cork City. Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96 FM. Coming up, I'm going to be talking about Christmas. Because three months today is Christmas Eve. Well, going by date. It's like it's three months tomorrow, but three months today is the 24th of December, Christmas Eve. So I'm going to be talking about. Christmas and Santa. So maybe the little ears might be best distracted for a few minutes. But anyway, I work a 40-hour week. This is someone who says, Cork Mum. I work a 40-hour week. My partner also works full-time. We had to both take time off work last week due to our nine-year-old son having to be tested for COVID. Thankfully, he was negative. He had his test Monday evening we got the results Thursday afternoon. Wow. Therefore, I could only work Friday and my partner was sent home from work Monday when my son went for the test and he went back Friday. I got my payslip today. I was paid for one day. Obviously, we couldn't have this happen again. We now dread every cough my kids have. I can understand why people would send the kids to school or have to use grandparents as we literally have no other option. Can you ask your listeners what they think about this? It's going to cause more of a spread of the disease as we can't possibly keep our heads above water with two children and less than a hundred euro now coming into our house. Please keep my name anonymous. Kind regards. You see, that is the stuff that is happening. That is the stuff that is showing up the holes in the system. So the nine-year-old has to be tested. So mom and dad both have to take time off work. So neither of them are paid while they're out. And I know they say, well, do you want the employer to pay for everything? Well, kind of. Or either the employer or the, or, or the exchequer or the system makes it worth their while to stay out. This brings us back to Sweden because something like that would never happen in Sweden. They'd be taken care of and paid and all that. And the compulsory sick pay, 22 out of 27 countries. Again, you get the message there, do you want the employer to pay for everything? Well, it happens in 22 other countries. There's a way of doing it. We are very lucky, for example, in this company. And to be fair, our employers have always looked after us. 
when we were sick and any one of us who've ever had to, thankfully it's not happened here, but any one of us who've ever had to take a test in the last six months, we've had a couple of people in the building had to be tested in the last six months, thankfully all negative, everyone's taken care of. It's how it works. But it's not the same for everybody. And I completely agree there should be compulsory sick pay. And if you're a business owner and you want to take me on about it, you know where I am. 1850 715996. Caller says, I wish they'd tell us more about exactly where infections are. I also think schools could do more. Thank goodness my own daughter's school has been brilliant. They went around all the classes telling them to cop on and how would they feel if one of them died or if someone belonging to them did. My daughter's 16 and it really struck home. 1850-715-996. Coming back to that in a while, we've just received an interview from our colleagues at FM 104 with Tonishta Leo Varadkar on the various issues to do with the pandemic and where we are with testing and all that. So I'll run that shortly. Uh, we've received it down from our friends at the Strawberry Alarm Clock and FM 104. Uh, they've been talking to uh, the Tonish Delia Varadkar this morning. Of course, uh, he's in the news um, because he's self-isolating at the moment and restricting his movements. So that's to come. But we were contacted in the last few days by one of Santa's helpers. Do you know the helpers that do the Santa grottos in the shops and the garden centres? And all of that coming up to Christmas. And it's going to be a very different Christmas. And a very different run-up to Christmas. Christmas in a time of COVID, you might say. And Santa's helper wanted to talk to me about how things might change over the next couple of months. You're one of Santa's helpers and have been for many years that is correct, yeah. And it's a lovely time for the young children, the boys and girls. They love to queue up and meet Santa and meet the elves and meet everybody. But it's going to be different this year. What are they telling you at the North Pole? What, what are they saying to you? Well, first of all, uh, they're telling me that uh, Santa is going to be, has to wear a face mask or a shield to protect himself. Mm. And also, unfortunately, this time of year, this time, there will be no hugging of Santi. Yeah. And that there will have to be uh, a lot of space between the children and Santi. Photographs will have to be um, from a distance and not around Santi by any means. They won't be able to sit on Santa's knee. That is correct. That would be a no-no. Now, what boys and girls are worried about is that Santa himself might not be able to travel Christmas Eve, but I think that's all been sorted out. Oh, Oh, that's all sorted. There's absolutely no problem whatsoever. Good. Good, because I heard earlier in the year that he was already talking to the doctors and the scientists about how he would avoid all this quarantine. That's all been taken care of. That is all taken care of, and he's got all the the, the toys are being manufactured at the moment, provided the children send the letters up the chimney. Yeah, so they can still send the letter? 
Of course they can. Yes, yes. And and the visits might be different this year. So young boys and girls who went to see Santa last year in the shops, it's going to be different this year. It is going to be very much different. And and to the mums and the dads and the grannies and the granddads, they're going to have to book and and book their slots early. Well, if if it depends on which uh, store they go into, because some of them are, as you well know, are free, and it's a queuing system, and they will be the children would get sweets or a, a book, yeah, coloring book. Other places where there will be a queuing system. Yeah. And the, the, the problem is also all the kids and the parents, grandparents, will have to sign in this year yeah. for contact purposes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is going to be a problem as well because it's going to take up time. Yes, yes. It's going to be different, but it has to be done safely. Oh, it has to be done safely. I know that you sometimes are one of Santa's helpers in Griffins, which is one of the big favourites. Yes. And also in um, Rumley's Garden Centre. Right. Or Rumley's Pet Farm. And Leahy's. Mm -hmm. Out in Dungourney. You have another help. Another one of the helpers is out in Cuskinny. Yes. Fosa. Yes. Manpoint. Uh, Wilton. Yes. Blackpool. And and they're all getting the rules sent directly from the North Pole, and they have to follow them. Yes, they do. Okay. And of course, part of being the good boys and girls getting ready for Christmas, part of behaving for Christmas is to follow the rules, isn't it? Follow the rules at all times. Okay, okay. And the parents and grandparents will have to obey the rules as well. Okay, okay. It'll be a different Christmas, but hopefully it'll be a happy Christmas. Well, I'll be there. Sandy will be there. Yeah. For coming down the chimney or into the apartment. Remember, he has secret keys to get in. Yes. And it's going to be still magic. Yes, and he doesn't have to worry about quarantine or sanitizer, anything like that. No, no. Good. And the, the only thing is, this year is going to be how, and um, they're still scratching their heads, of how Rudolph is going to get water and carrots. Yeah. Yeah, that might be, that might be, but I'm sure they'll sort that out. They'll sort that out. They will, all right. Well, look, it's three months to Christmas Eve. So it's time to be getting ready and and time to be learning the rules and following them and doing it all right. That's I, correct. I wish you and all the other helpers and all the other uh, supermarket Santis the very best of luck for the next few months. We will indeed. And the, the elves are working hard. Great. Good to hear it. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. That's one of Santa's helpers who contacted us in the last while to let us know that the rules are going to change Rules are being written and reviewed at the North Pole every week. A bit like oh, the rules are reviewed for the adults. The rules for the kids and Santa are being reviewed by the North Pole. And I understand too that Neffet, the team that looks after us all, they've now asked one of their doctors to talk directly to the North Pole as often as possible. 
in the run-up to Christmas. It's, it's very important, you know, very, very important. Now, Gillian uh, Magical Blarney is a brilliant place every single year. And uh, we wonder, are they going to be going ahead? What's going to happen? Gillian, good morning to you. Good morning, how are you? Good, good. It's nervous times, and as we know, there's a lot of negotiation going on with the North Pole. Absolutely. A weekly update is coming uh, via Nesset, via the North Pole, for all the kids, you know. Good. So what's the latest? So so the latest is we are planning to go ahead, um, all things going well. Um, At the moment, we are allowed with an indoor event to have up to 50 people. So it is going to be a much more reduced um, capacity than what we would have had last year. However... If we stay on level two, there is no reason why we can't go ahead with all the safety procedures that we have put in place. Um, so, you know, we'll have Santa's, Santa's magic sanitizer, Santa's safety lines for two metres the whole way through. It'll be very, very much a personal experience. So um, a family pod, which is what we're going to call them as, um, I suppose, in the background of us organising it, yeah. will kind of have the place for themselves, so to speak, and it'll be sanitised between each family, you know? Yeah, because um, children are becoming very familiar now with having a pod in school. So you'll have a pod going to see Santa. Exactly. So we're kind of trying to keep along the same terminology. So there's nothing new, nothing scary, you know. Um, I suppose we try. We, we're trying to maybe give a little bit of light, a little bit of hope that we that you know the traditional event of Santa will go ahead because I think kids have been through enough. Um, it's been very hard for everybody, but especially kids getting to know all these new rules and regulations. And you know, the favourite time of the year for most children is is going to see Santa and Christmas. And especially here at Magical Barney, we've had kind of a long tradition of having every single year. We've never missed a year, you know. Okay. Well, here's hoping that you won't miss this year either and that everything works in the negotiations between North Pole, Neffet and yourselves. Absolutely. So we kind of, we wait every week to see. We haven't yet launched our website, but we are keeping our Facebook page updated regularly. Um, I, we just want to see what's happening over the next couple of weeks before we launch officially. Um, but we, well, October is the plan. As soon so as you October know, Gillian, let us know. I will, of course, absolutely. And keep an eye on our Facebook page as well because we'll have all our updates there. Thanks very much. That's Gillian from Magical Blarney. So they're planning to go ahead, talking every few days to the North Pole. It's very important to to keep up to date because the science changes and the advice can change. Eric Johansson is with the Cork North Pole Outpost. You, obviously, Eric, are talking to headquarters very frequently to see can we go ahead. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, um, yeah, we've been in touch with Santa, and um, yeah, well, if it's safe to do so, um, we'll be, um, we will hope to go uh, and have an outdoor event. I, um, we have 15-acre woodland here, mm-hmm. um, it's sheltered. So um, yeah, as it's, it's again, it's a, it's an evolving situation. So we're just we're keeping an eye on things, um, but it will be uh, on a limited class. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It's been a very challenging year for us. Um, our group activity centre um, business evaporated overnight. So um, yeah, we've been we, we've been doing various things during the year. We started a veg garden and a neighbourhood market here. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, we've had incredible local support from the, the island of Cove as well. And um, yeah. um, but, as um, we yeah. get closer, I think you're asking people, Eric, to watch social media and keep in touch with the website and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So our our website northpolecourt.com um so we we will be put, putting updates on there should we go ahead but uh, again it would be an outdoor event that we would run here because um we yeah. we, we we did speak to Santa and he felt that um uh, we we have a very old building here and uh, the, the 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 spaces are are quite tight so we we felt it wouldn't be safe to go ahead with our our normal indoor events. So if we do go ahead it will be an outdoor event but um we'll also be um doing uh, an online Christmas craft market here as well called okay. Buttons Christmas Craft Market. Um, okay. Again, that'll be on northpolecourt.com. Okay, great. Well, we will keep up to date with all the various outposts and, and, and Santa Grottos in the run-up. And certainly decisions will need to be made. Thanks, Eric. He's in Cuskinny in Cove. Decisions will need to be made in, in the run-up. And uh, we were also going to ask Neffet um, for their Christmas officer. We may hopefully be able to speak with Neffet's Christmas officer at some point uh, to find out what is happening. But we know from the North Pole that Santa will visit every boy and girl on Christmas Eve. All that sorted. And once that's sorted, well, should the rest, we can, we can figure it out. 1850-715-996. Uh, Sarah's delighted with this news and she'll be telling her girls all about it when they come home from school. 1850-715-996. Ah, listen, you see, ever since the start of the pandemic, requests come in. We don't normally do requests on this programme. The odd one. The odd one, no. Not, not, we don't make a thing of it. That's Derry on a Sunday morning and Lorraine of an evening. But, could we please wish a very happy birthday to Eileen McCracken. She's 100 today. And she celebrates her birthday in the Norwood Grange Nursing Home in Waterfall. And Bernie is heartbroken because she can't visit her to congratulate her on reaching the milestone of 100 years young. Well, congratulations and happy birthday to Eileen McCracken. 1857-15996. We have just got a breaking story here. Uh, St. Gabriel's School. Uh, St. Gabriel's School has been shut and all pupils and staff are to be sent for testing. 
Get more on that. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With a solid fuel depot. Now located at the Junction Supermarket Vickers Road. Coal, gas, kiln-dried wood and briquettes. For collection or delivery. Solidfueldepot.ie Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on the side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Galway musician Neve Regan has long been lauded as one of Ireland's most promising folk talents and she's about to prove that just right with the release of her debut album, Hemet. Nee plays the Kino in Cork on Thursday, October 29th and check out KinoCork.com for more details. Access all areas. The Scratch are a four-piece acoustic act born from a shared love of acoustic guitar, metal and traditional Irish music. They've moulded triumphant melodies with the groove and intensity of metal and come to Cork to play a headliner at Cypress Avenue on Friday, December 4th. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled show coming up or any live streaming events by emailing aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 9696 On Cork's 96FM. So, over the course of the pandemic, when we haven't had access to senior ministers ourselves, obviously they're all very, very busy people. And we've had one or two of them, to be fair. We've managed to speak to, to the Taoiseach and we've spoken to Simon Coveney and we've spoken to Michael McGrath and others. But our good friends and our partners at FM 104 in Dublin have spoken from time to time with senior ministers and then followed the interview to us. And today they've been speaking with the Tánaiste to Leo Varadkar, who, as we know, story broke yesterday, is now restricting his movements, working from home and exercising in the garden for the next number of days because he was notified that he was a close contact. We presume was notified through the app, which we should all have, by the way. We should all have the app. We should all check into the app every day. That's how it works. It doesn't work if we don't use it. But uh, the Tanishta is presently self-isolating or restricting his movements. There's a difference in the terms. But he's been speaking to our colleagues on the Strawberry Alarm Clock on FM 104. We have to ask, you're Zooming us this morning because you yourself are keeping your distance from people at the moment. Is that still the case? Yeah, yeah, working from home. So um, seven hours of video conferences yesterday wasn't the most exciting. But um, but yeah, somebody who I work with um, tested positive for coronavirus. So... Um, because we were in close contact, it means I have to restrict my movements, and um, that means working from home for the next little while, which is not ideal. But um, I'm fine, and those are the rules. So, guess I got to follow them. How's the Wi-Fi? Did you have to reboot the router at any point during the, the calls yesterday? No, no, everything's everything's working okay. Very good. So, we've asked listeners to send us in some questions for had you. Few, uh, had a battery failure in my laptop, but that's because I didn't plug it in. Gotcha. <laughs> we, we've asked listeners to send us in some questions. Um, and we've got a few good few coming in but we've, uh, before the kids went to school we asked kids to send in questions uh, on their way to school and they did loads of questions came in we've only got a couple because uh, we thought qu- kids ask the best questions no better people for getting straight to the point so this is Jack and he has a he has a nanny question Hey Leo it's Jack Barney here and um, are you able to hug your nanny and granddad is it safe thank you solid kid question 
Oh, it's a good question too. <laughs> <laughs> of, of, of course, no, nothing's a hundred percent safe, but um, but um, a kid hugging their granny is is pretty safe. So, I'd say the short answer is yes, but unless you have unless you have a cold or a cough or a temperature, or you're sick yourself. Excellent. If you've no symptoms, it's okay. That's good news. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm sure you may have this may have been asked even on the street by kids, uh, but here is a really obvious one that's coming up very very soon from Ella. Hi, hi, Leo. My name's Ella, and and I wonder if we're allowed to go trick or treating. Bye. Trick or treating, Leo. How will that work? Yeah, it's um, it, it's it's more than a month away, as you know. So um. That's going to depend on how we do uh, over the next couple of weeks. So uh, I'm hoping the answer is going to be yes, but we won't be able to make that call, and the public health doctors won't be able to make that call until until near near the time. So, uh, as you know, the virus is um, growing again. Uh, if it keeps growing at the rate it's growing, um, that's not a good sign for Halloween. But if we if we get on top of it, if we wash our hands, keep a distance, wear face coverings in crowded places get the virus under control then I think um, I think it'll be okay I mean we, we should probably start thinking of an alternative way to get sweets to the kids mm. they still dress up yeah. you know so maybe oh, they yeah. might need that and uh, we have another kid this, this is, is Chloe. Chloe yeah Hi Leo this is Cloudy Morning I was just wondering it was I know it was mean and all that you got a milkshake thrown over you know what flavour was it and you're better than that me hot Martin fella <laughs> the, uh, the, the milkshake um, I don't know some sort of orange citrusy type thing citrus milkshake mm. Mm, slightly slightly stung my eyes that must have been um, lemon or orange or oh dear. something like that not good not good terrible waste of a milkshake though a <laughs> uh, couple of questions um, the suit, suit got the brunt of it though I'm, I'm, I'm grand uh, an Instagram post yesterday stopped me in my tracks uh, but in someone who had, had just not received good news in a maternity uh, appointment and they didn't have a partner with them is there any hope obviously people go into these things for great news obviously as well as part and parcel of, of expecting uh, a baby and is there any way has it come up have there been any discussions that partners can can go with them yeah there's been been a lot of discussion about it actually um because uh, um, it's a really tough one. I, I uh, used to used to work in in Palace Street, and um, you know, was, uh, did the scans on occasion. And uh, you know, most of the time it's it's good news, and sometimes it's bad news. But um, almost always, you know, the expected mum's partner was there. You know, for moral support. Uh, to, you know, to even just to ask ask questions because you can be very stressed when you're getting the scan yourself, and you don't always take in all the information you're giving. So, um, we're hoping to get some guidelines that are a bit more a bit more consistent around who can visit and who can't. Um, but in the end of the day, it is going to be up to the hospitals themselves because there will be different situations in different hospitals. And um, while most pregnant women are very healthy uh, some of underlying conditions and if you have a large number of visitors coming in that hospitals there is a risk that the virus will get into the hospital and then that's a risk to to the mother so you know the health and life has to come first but um we are we are trying to get some consistent guidelines with the hospitals to facilitate uh, partners to come in for those important appointments as much as is possible because um it's, it's not not a time that people want to be alone you know we keep hearing about um, this winter is going to be a, a potentially a bumpy ride and that we're heading into a second wave. What advice would you give for people heading into the winter season based on what you're, what you're hearing at the moment? 
Yeah, well, first of all, I, I think we I think we may already be well into a second wave. Uh, you know, if you look at our graph or if you look at the graphs around Europe, um, in some countries like France and Spain, they're already recording more cases every day than they did back in the spring. So um, I don't know whether, whether we're at the start of a second wave or whether we're well into one. I kind of hope we're well into one because that means it might level off and start falling in the next few weeks rather than just going, going up and up. Um, but the advice is the same, you know, it actually is quite simple. This is a virus that jumps from one person to the next, passes from one person to the next. How do you get it? Uh, we get it because we interact with each other. And in order to slow the spread of the virus, we have to interact with other people less. Um, and I know that's difficult. And it's, I know it's going on for months, far too long at this stage. And people are getting sick of it. But um, we don't want to get sick from it either. And uh, that means reducing the number of people you're in contact with and where you are in contact with people, doing the things that we all need to know that we need to do now, uh, washing our hands regularly. If you don't remember how many times you washed your hands or sanitized them today, it's because you haven't done it enough. Um, trying to keep that distance of two metres as much as possible. Uh, and then when we're on public transport or in shops or crowded places to wear, wear a face covering. And then just as important as everything else, if you're feeling sick, uh, if you got a temperature, a new cough, um, lost lost your taste, lost your sense of tell, sense of taste or smell, uh, any of those symptoms, then you got to stay home and ring your GP and find out when you need a test. Yes, and if we all did that, actually, the R number would be below one, and the virus actually, ninety percent of us did that ninety percent of the time. Not even everyone all the time, uh, the virus would be in decline again. But unfortunately, we're not. With your and your capacity is tarnished now previous capacity of Taoiseach but having said that it's well known that you know are, you are a qualified doctor in your opinion and from stuff you've heard if things keep rising are we looking at the exact same scenario as late March April May or is it is it hard to know what what are what's the worst case scenario here that we're facing into again well the worst case scenario would be would be a second wave of of infections, hospitalizations, and deaths worse than what we experienced in spring. Um, and that's always something we've been worried about. I remember when Simon Harris and I were having conversations with Tony Hillen back in uh, March or April, he'd tell us that when the flu pandemic happened in, 20, in 1918, you know, the last big pandemic like this, it was actually the second wave that was worse than the first. Um, but that doesn't mean that that's going to happen this time because this is a coronavirus pandemic uh, and not a flu pandemic. And we know much more about viruses now than we did 100 years ago. Uh, the most optimistic scenario, and this could happen, is that we could have a second wave of a lot of people getting infected, but not so many people getting sick, not so many deaths, not so many people ending up in hospital. And if you look at what's happening in, in Spain and France that are a couple of weeks ahead of us, they're seeing record numbers of case, cases every day. But... Um, actually not record numbers of people um, getting sick, ending up in hospital, dying. Now, that is happening, but at a much lower level than happened in the spring. So that would be the optimistic scenario that um, um, th that, that there is a degree of immunity out there, not much, but some. Um, and perhaps, and I know this is not a nice thing to say, but it's possible that some of the people most susceptible to this virus have already died from it. Um, but we just don't know that actually, and we've decided as a as a government we're not willing to take that chance, and that's why we've um, brought in much stricter regulations in Dublin than will be the case in other cities around Europe where where the virus is actually at a higher level. Um, we just don't want to take that chance. We'd rather 
rather let other countries take that chance with their citizens' lives and health than, than us. But it, it, listening to what you're saying there, it kind of does play into the idea that was discussed yesterday of under 60s, the economy, young people just contracting it and, and, and as, you, as you say, you're looking ahead to Spain uh, who are a few weeks ahead. Can you understand also then when people see numbers, yes, people testing positive, uh, very little or no deaths, uh, and then wondering, can we not just get on with this and why can't I go for a meal? Why can't I see? Like, I'm sure that is one of the biggest challenges that maybe we didn't have earlier on in the year. Yeah, you know, I, I totally understand it and um, I, I keep an open mind on these arguments. You know, Ronan Glynn says that anyone who speaks to you with certainty about the coronavirus is doing so because they're confident, not because they're necessarily right. You, you know, nobody's really an expert on this. It's only around for about a year. So, you know, I never dismiss other opinions. I always listen to the different ideas. And, you know, as minister who's now responsible for business and jobs, I want businesses open and I want people back to work and we need the economy going because if we don't get the economy going again, we won't be able to afford um, healthcare and schools and housing and all the other things we need. Um, but what I also know is that if this virus gets out of control, then a lot of people will get sick. Um, customers will be sick. Employees will be sick. Uh, and businesses will, clo- will close for that reason. So we don't want to get in that scenario either. Uh, and one thing you need to bear in mind about young people, while younger people don't uh, tend not to die from the virus, some do, but very few do, um, we don't yet know what the long-term consequences of it are. Uh, and there is some evidence uh, that the younger people get the virus and they can actually, in some cases, do long-term damage to your heart and lungs. So imagine you're somebody who's, you know, in your 20s or 30s, uh, you're physically active, you have a great social life, and because you get this virus, you end up having a weak heart or weak lungs for the rest of your life. You know, that's not it's not the kind of, kind of virus you want to get, you know. From what, from what I've seen out and about, um, it's, you know, there are large large groups of uh, young people sort of behind shops and in places nobody can see them they're gathering because you know when you're fifth or sixth year that's it's kind of your mates is, is your whole world you know people you're you're dating whatever is your whole world you don't want to stay away from all that how do you reach those people and convince them to stay away from each other to stay apart I think it's just just constant um, information and constant encouragement like um you know, I, I I remember what it's like being that age and I was just thinking the other day about my leaving cert year and you had so many big milestones, you know, you had the exams, you had the graduation, the results night, um, you had possibly a J1 going to America for the summer, um, the Debs starting college and freshers week, you know, they've lost out all of those milestones, all of those things in the space of a few months and it's really tough for them actually uh, so you know, you know I, I never like the finger pointing mm. I think we just need to keep talking to them and encouraging them and, um, and engaging them but if you've any bright ideas I'm, I'm, I'm all ears because it is it is one thing we're having a difficulty with is, is getting that message across to people uh, one thing I would say though and um, it is actually better that people are congregating outside than indoors yeah. you know maybe maybe sometimes we see the younger people outside on the green or behind the shops um, we don't see the people in their 40s and 50s and 60s um, in groups of 6 and 10 and, and 15 in houses um, forgetting all about social distancing because nobody's watching them mm. I think we need to bear that in mind too Just two things very briefly first of all any thoughts on a home testing kit that people could then be more aware quickly, more quickly aware of you know, if they have to self-isolate? Yeah, well, there, there's a lot of um, lot of uh, progress being made on testing. So what we use in Ireland is this 
gold standard swab test PCR. It's 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 a bit slow and a bit expensive, but it's very sensitive and very specific. But there are now reputable companies that are producing antigen tests where you can use the saliva sample and get a result back within half an hour. Uh, they cost about five or six euros each, uh, so not as accurate, but much easier to use, much quicker, much cheaper. And, you know, I see Germany, UK are starting to use them. I think it's only a matter of time before we do too. And that actually could be very useful, you know, for screening healthcare workers, screening visitors to nursing homes. Um, not 100% won't eliminate the virus, but could help to reduce the risk a lot. Uh, and I think you'll start seeing them being used sooner rather than later. Finally, uh, Leo, with the economy decimated in so many ways, with so many businesses reporting that any digital transition that they were planning to have happening much quicker because of COVID, this fund, the, the government fund, Cutting Edge Technology, is this, if, if we understand this correctly, is this to uh, train and reskill workers or how exactly is that money going to be spent? Yes, this is a fund that we set aside um, a year or two ago. Um, um, it's still, it's there's about 500 million in the fund. Uh, 140 million's been drawn down, but we're it's 360 million, which hasn't. So we're opening it up to a call for new applications. And essentially, what has to happen is um, is a number of companies have to come together. Hopefully, a big company and a small company, and partner with the university, and we then give them some co-funding to invest in in a project in in a science innovation technology project that could lead to a new technology that can then be commercialized uh, and create jobs and create profits. So the kind of things we funded in the past would have been uh, a project to make plastic out of plants. So instead of having to import oil and damage the environment to make plastic products um, out of plant-based materials. Um, other ones will be around healthcare research around stem cells. So it's all about encouraging businesses and scientists and universities to come together and invest in these technologies. And uh, hopefully it'll help Ireland to become uh, one of those countries with, with the big inventions and the big ideas. So information up on the Enterprise Ireland website about that now, uh, all the information you need, and we'll take the formal applications in November. Uh, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us uh, this morning. Uh, good luck with the work from home calls. Not at all. Now you know what everyone else no, my, my is. My pleasure. Watch out for hopefully, next, hopefully, next, hopefully next time in person. Watch out for Avril Levine's coming towards you. <laughs> <laughs> I hear she's um, going to release a new album. So I'm told. Yeah, she's on the back of that whole thing. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a strange publicity. <laughs> it's, <song>. Inspired her. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, listen, thanks very much. Thanks again. All right. Thanks a lot. Take care. Dad's to Leo Vradkar speaking to our colleague Jim Jim and the strawberry alarm clock on FM 104. There's a lot in there. A lot in there. Interesting listen. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. few responses to the interview with Tonishta Leo Baradkar sent down to us from our colleagues at FM 104 in, in Dublin. Not allowing partners into maternity hospitals is a joke. Most are living together. The five euro test kit can also be used on all passengers arriving into the country and charge them for it. That'll open up travel. Hi, I can't talk. I work in Apple. Oh, this has just landed on my screen. I work in Apple. We got told this week we can sign up and get tested every week. I think that's brilliant going forward. It sure is. And you know what? That's going to become a thing now. If this saliva test that uh, Leo was talking about, if it becomes you know, the, the thing and if we can rely on it and it's so cheap and so effective that, you know, once it's proven to be so as useful as they think it might be 
then we can all get tested all the time. And it will be so easy then to keep those of us who've got symptoms or those of us who are positive, keep us out of the system for a while and all of that. Of course, people who have to go out of the system should have proper sick pay and all of that. 1850 Just on Sweden, we were talking about Sweden earlier on and speaking with Professor Steppen, who is an expert on the Swedish system, even though he's based in Copenhagen in Denmark, but he's been analysing the Swedish system and how they decided to approach this. And I got the very distinct impression from his interview that it won't work here. It won't work here. And he was kind of gently nudging us that, no, it doesn't, it wouldn't work here. Uh, I've been there says this message uh, if you can see it would never work Sweden has way lower density population than we have a pub and social culture isn't like ours 40% of Swedes live alone schools have a smaller class sizes and bigger classrooms sick pay is another factor as you said and a lot of Swedes work from home plus their compliance is pretty much 100% which can't be said for us 1850 715 996 text or whatsapp 083 396 96 and your email is opinion at 96fm.ie now on twitter as well I'll get to it in a minute not, not, a, not a lot of love in the room for Fianna Fáil TD Podrick O'Sullivan from the Debenhams workers I'll, I'll mention that in a while but I want to get to Dr. Dervila Collins uh, who is a consultant medical oncologist at CUH because it is World Cancer Research Day. And we wanted to touch base with an oncologist because, as we've said before, and I think it's worth saying it again, here in Cork, we punch well above our weight in terms of cancer research. And we talk about this every year during Radiothon. Well, when it's on, which it wasn't this year, but we talk about it every year during Radiothon. How damn good we are at cancer research in, in Cork. But of course, everything like that's all been slowed up by COVID. So I said we'd catch up with Dr. Collins and, and talk to her about that and other things to do with World Cancer Research Day. Dr. Collins, good morning. Good morning. And before I get into that with the COVID-19, it is worth saying it and saying it again. We punch well above our weight in Cork in terms of our research. Yeah, absolutely. We are um, active researchers. We are the highest accruer in Ireland to clinical trials in Cork University hospitals and, and, and the hospitals in the, in the area. Um, and we have some incredible researchers in University College Cork that we work in collaboration with for cancer to look for new treatments, better treatments. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're at a centre of global excellence, I think it's fair to say. We are, yeah, absolutely, without a doubt. Yeah. But, like everything, COVID-19 has affected it. Yeah, so COVID-19's impact has been um, broad and, um, you know, we all have heard about cancer treatment and, you know, cancer screening delays, but we, we don't hear about the cancer research and the clinical trials that also were disrupted enormously. Um, so there, and this isn't just in Ireland, this is all over the world. So laboratories closed down, cancer research stopped, and, and trials were slower to open up. Now, it was it dependent on, you know, the, the trials unit you worked in. So we managed to keep our trials unit open here in Cork University Hospital. Um, but some of the, we were certainly slower to open up new trials and to get patients onto trials, trying to keep them safe from COVID. Yeah, because, God, if you get COVID on top of cancer, 
you're asking for trouble. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's a real vulnerable population. Patients who are on treatment with cancer, it's um, they're very vulnerable. Because is, is it true, Derva, that so many of the modern treatments, even the more effective and more modern ones, they, they do compromise the immune system heavily? Absolutely. So even the tablet treatments that patients uh, go on or the immune treatments that patients receive, they all affect the immune system. Um, so they do make patients more vulnerable. So it's not just patients on chemo who are, who are vulnerable to COVID. So we had to look after everybody. So you then, I think when the numbers went down uh, in June and July, you were able to start resuming some sort of normal service. So I think nerves are a bit frayed now with the increase in numbers again. Absolutely, exactly. So um, we're only really just up and running from the start of August again, back to sort of full steam ahead. Um, and now here we are at, you know, the cusp of the, the second wave. Uh, cases are rising in, in Cork. Obviously, Dublin is is um, much more affected, but there's certainly increases in cases here. Um, and, it, you know, we the focus needs to be on how do we practice and live and do our research and do our trials with COVID, not shutting down again, because that just compromises patients' access to treatments and patient care. We need to figure out a way to, to keep people safe, uh, but keep all the, the research and the trials going. Is it possible to do that? Is it possible to keep going conscious of COVID rather than let COVID shut you down? Yeah, we've learned a lot about COVID-19. Uh, back in, in March and April, it was so new. Um, nobody really knew even, you know, transmission and how long um, and who was going to be the most vulnerable. So we've learned a lot um, over the, the, the months. So I think we're, we're more equipped to deal with it now. We have um, put a lot of infrastructure and resources in place yeah. um, in Cork and in, in, in all the hospitals um, in, in, in the country and yeah. around the world. So we are better... We're better equipped to do it. And it's essential. I mean, it's essential that cancer research doesn't stop. It's essential that cancer trials don't stop. That's an even an interesting point, just even more broadly as a doctor for, for, for a second, that heading into the second wave, we know more so we can do more. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Oh, that's good. That's good to hear. Just before I, I let you go, and we are marking World Cancer Research Day, and you know, COVID, COVID permitting. Like, what kind of exciting things are we looking at in Cork at the moment? So we have um, new trials opening for. Um, that we, we never that we don't have access to outside of a clinical trial. So um, we have uh, trials looking at n- new drugs that have just come off um, the early phase trials. They've never they're not licensed yet. They're they're look really promising um, in the early clinical trials. So we have access to these drugs for patients. But we also have access to other treatments that we wouldn't normally get from uh, that you might be able to get in America, for example, right. that you can't get in Ireland. And so drug access is important and that's why trials are important for 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 accessing these agents you know when we talk particularly about things like the the stubborn ones like the the pancreatic cancer that's the one everyone really dreads like that that's the one that it's it's so hard to treat like are we anywhere with pancreatic and other cancers like that at the moment yeah, so we've, we've, um, we are, there's progress being made all the time. Um, Breakthrough Cancer Research is, um, one of the, um, um, the charities that, that funds a lot of cancer research and actually, um, they're doing a buyback time campaign at the moment to help try and buy back the time lost from COVID. But they, um, they fund a lot of these cancers that, that we've really struggled to yeah. find new treatments for. So pancreatic cancer, esophageal cancer, cervical cancer. These are, uh, cancers that are so, 
um, they are, are, I suppose, behind the colon cancers and the breast cancers and they need more research. They, yeah. We need to understand them more. They're the most stubborn ones. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. hardest ones to crack. Yeah, all right. Well, you know, I, I've every faith... In, in our wonderful network of doctors and scientists and technicians in Cork, we will get to, to all of this one day. Dr. Derville Collins, to Mark World Cancer Research Day, thank you very much. Thank you very much, PJ. Thanks for having she me. Is, she's a consultant medical oncologist at COH and a senior clinical lecturer in UCC. And she's also a principal investigator in cancer trials. So she kind of knows her onions, doesn't she? 1850 Yeah, the, um, the Debenhams workers, as you have heard in the news... They're marching on Micheál Martin's constituency office this morning. They're gathering at the Vita Cortex plant, uh, the old Vita Cortex, which is still there, tumbled down ruin now, and they are marching to his office in Turner's Cross. There's a picture on Twitter of Padraig O'Sullivan, the Cork North Central TD, uh, standing in a socially distanced demonstration outside of Debenhams with a picture or a poster in his hand or a placard in his hand 2,000 plus workers Leo where's our bailout hashtag Debenhams he's clearly there in support but last night and so did by the way Deputy Colin Burke last night voted against the bill the Duffy Cahill bill voted against the bill brought forward in the Dáil which would have offered some help or some solace to the Debenhams workers. So, no love lost this morning for Padraig Sullivan on Twitter, given that his mugshot is there with him supporting the Debenhams workers. And then last night, he, um, he votes against him in the Dáil. It's not a good look, as they say. It's not a good look. 1850-715-996. Michael is one of those people with a rare and difficult cancer. Uh, and on this World Cancer Research Day, we said we'd catch up with him. Next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette. Now at the Junction Supermarket, Vickers Road. Every day, washing and drying, done within an hour. Selfservicelaundry.ie Question number 10. Finish this movie title, Fear and Loathing. In Las Vegas. Laura, what's your full name? Laura Kennedy. And you're from? Glenville. You've won 2,000 no euros. Way. Oh, that's unbelievable. That's how you do it. Well I can't believe Laura. it. Hello. Your, Hello. your mummy has just won loads of money. Loads of money. What do you want? A daddy. Another winner. There you go. go, go. The two grand minute. Listen to play. And Ross in the morning on Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now 083 396 9696. On Cork's 96 FM. So, Michael Healy, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you doing? Good. Your cancer is one I've never heard of. What is it? Well, the medical term is uh, pseudomyxoma peritonei. Okay. But I guess, I guess to the layman, it's appendix cancer. Oh. And what happens in basic terms is that the appendix bursts, usually unknown to the patient, and leaks a thing called mucin, which is a jelly-like substance, yeah. into the abdominal cavity. 
and it keeps filling that cavity until, if it's not treated, until such time as you know most of the organs are compressed and and the patient. Because you would think that when your appendix bursts, that you'd know all about it. You'd be in fierce pain, and you'd be fierce sick, and you'd be needing urgent surgery. Yeah, for some that is the case. Uh, for others, it's very silent. Uh, symptoms in my case were practically non-existent. I had a, a pain on and off from time to time. Right. And eventually I went to my GP after quite a while and went through the usual uh, myriad of, of uh, tests, you know, colonoscopies and all that kind of stuff right. until in September 11 I was diagnosed with uh, this condition and referred to a specialist centre in the UK, a place called oh. Basingstoke, which is about an hour from London, yeah. because there was no... Um, uh, solution for it here in Ireland, no facility doing the surgery here in Ireland. Because it's so incredibly rare, I would imagine. Exactly, yeah. Wow. So, so, so when you were diagnosed with 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 appendix cancer, what did you what did you think when the doctor laid that one in front of you? Well, I was just coming out of a laparoscopic surgery, so I was under a bit of medication, and all I could do was laugh because, like you, I've never heard of this grandiose term before. So, uh, it took a while to take it on board. To be honest with you. Um, uh, because, you know, he had to write it down for us and then you go off and research it and that's probably the worst thing you can do, but anyway. Now, I've, I've read a description of, of your, your surgery and I went, being a bit of a frustrated medic and scientist myself, I went and looked it up. Yeah. And, Michael, if you don't mind my putting it this way, it's not so much a case of what they take out, it's what do they leave after what them. they leave, yeah. Well, I suppose in the overall terms, the surgeon will look at... Um, he will open up the abdomen, obviously he will look at what organs are he can keep and what have been damaged, So, in, and it's different for everybody. So in my case, the right side of my colon, the spleen, the gallbladder, um, all gone, uh, belly button even, uh, greater and lesser omentum, which is the line, lining of your stomach, all taken away, and then they clear, out, clear off the liver and the kidneys or whatever other organs are uh, touched by this mucin, you know, so it's... It's pretty invasive and pretty complex surgery. It took 13 hours in my case. Then when the surgery is complete, uh, for 90 minutes at the end, they pour in uh, heated chemotherapy, 42 degrees. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> Before they even stitch you up? Correct, yeah. Crikey, Mike. So, so the purpose of that is that the surgeon will hopefully get all the um, particles that he can see from eye, from eye level or... Right. Eyesight, and then the the heated chemo will kill off and burn the the, the smaller particles. You know, the very thought of it sloshing around inside you, and and you all after being cut and oh, dear, good job you're asleep for this. Exactly, exactly. So it recovery obviously is difficult. Then, so in my case, I was five days in ICU. Uh, right. I was um, intubated for quite a while, seventeen days without food, uh, twenty three days in hospital, and then you have to fly home. Crikey. And and like clearly with with such a major surgery, it's got has it had lifelong lifelong effects. Well, I suppose it's a continuum, really. For you know, I'm part of a worldwide uh, support group which has four thousand people, and some people are doing quite well, thankfully, like myself. Others are at the other end, suffering all all sorts of um, digestive or. Um, all sorts of other issues. Yeah. Um, and can you eat normally and stuff well, like um, that? My life is back to normal, yeah. Oh I, my I suppose um, smaller portions would be the only thing I would, the only difference really. Uh, right. Eat right. often and, and small. So uh, I suppose fatigue then is for everybody who goes through the surgery or any surgery of this size. Fatigue is the biggest, is the biggest problem and trying to get over it because you really don't feel like doing anything and if you don't then you stay where you are. Whereas if you 
get out and do a bit of exercise, which is a battle. Um, eventually, day by day, you get a little bit stronger. Mm-hmm. So I'm back. Uh, I've done uh, six in a row, um, Bantry Bay, uh, 10K runs, um, one of which was a fundraiser for uh, Breakthrough Cancer in 2016. Good man, good man. And I suppose the, the extent of the research is such that First of all, to know more about this particularly rare cancer, but I imagine that they're looking for better medicine so you have less invasive surgery. Well, this is the point, yeah. I suppose the more research that are done, that, that's done, this is the only option for my uh, type of surgery at the moment. And, you know, again, for, uh, looking across a number of patients, some patients don't qualify because the disease is too advanced, so they have no other option then at that point. So that's where research is so badly needed that at least, you know, the more research that, that are done, that is done on all cancers, you would hope that, you know, a number of these researches would impact on a number of cancers, perhaps, you know, and then, as you say, less invasive surgery would be required. Brilliant. Quicker recovery for the patient, back to work quicker, all the rest of it, you know. What what I'm suspecting is that, that one of the really dangerous things about your form of cancer, Michael, is that and did you say to me, you, you practically had nothing other than a stomach upset for some time? That's all, a little, a little stomach pain which would come and go, you know, so you put it down to, you know, cutting the grass yesterday or lifting something heavy the day before or whatever, you know. Oh, was that kind of a pain, was yeah, it? wasn't like yeah. you had indigestion or you're... No, 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 no there was no... Difference. Kind of a muscly pain. Yeah. Did exactly. you strain something? Yes, exactly. So you put that up when it, it, it's not there all the time. So, you know, you leave it for a couple of days and then it goes away and you forget about it and then it comes back again. So it's kind of silent and that's, and that's and dangerous, of course. And, and your, your appendix never even grumbled at you for a no, second? No. Wow. No. Wow. Wow. And then there, it's more complicated in the, in the fact that there are different types of it. Mine is low grade, which is, uh, has the better outcomes. Then there's high grade, sorry, low grade doesn't, um, chemo has no impact whatsoever on it. Uh, high grade then is more, qui- uh, it grows a lot quicker, uh, more invasive. Yeah. Uh, uh, several chemo cocktails have been um, introduced, I suppose, to it. For some patients, one cocktail works. For another patient, t- t- the same cocktail won't work at all and a different one will. So highly complicated, so you can see where research is so badly needed, you know. Absolutely. I have Standard never results. in all my time heard of, of, of anything like this. Well, I suppose, I suppose mine is, the, is a good news story and a message yeah. of hope, I suppose, for, for newly diagnosed people out there. You know, there, there are uh, treatments available, but I suppose the appeal today and, and this week is, you know, fun, fun, more funding is required for research yeah. so that people have better outcomes, um, have less invasive surgeries, um, and to support the fantastic work that Breakthrough Cancer are doing in Cork. Indeed, indeed, and they're one of our Radiothon partners every year, and we're always delighted to support them and to talk to them about the work that they're doing because it's phenomenal. Sure, yeah. So you've heard Dr. Collins on there earlier on yeah. about, I suppose, the struggles they have with COVID, and, you know, time has been lost already. Um, um, researchers not in labs and all the rest of it, so, you know, funding more urgently required than any time, I suppose, in the last 10 or 20 years at this point, you know. Okay, Michael, thank you for your time and continued good health to you. Cheers, PJ. Thanks for talking to you. Cheers. That's Michael Healy from Bantry. Wow! Did you ever hear of that? Appendix cancer. Well, it goes under the longer term pseudomyxoma peritonei. Appendix cancer. That's, that's a new one on me. 1850 I came with therapy and surgery last year for esophageal cancer, says this message. Very tough. Similar eating situation to your caller, a little and often, says Tony. 
Paula, whose husband died of cancer, very hard time with it. He passed away in Marymount, they took great care of him. He died two months ago today. Well, our thoughts are with you and the family, a caller. Uh, sad day. Sad day indeed. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With a solid fuel depot. Now located at the Junction Supermarket Vickers Road. Coal, gas, kiln-dried wood and briquettes. For collection or delivery. Solidfueldepot.ie Boom, boom, I'm with Lauren wearing 96. I'm dropping these beats because I'm hella sick. Look at me. I look at you. Now look at me. I see you. Oh God, this is so uncomfortable. <laughs> so, okay, right. We, oh, wait, wait, were you recorded that though? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so good. Lorraine and Demi. Lorraine and Demi. Live. Live. How would you describe the show on a Saturday? I come in. You see me. I see you. You're just going back into that weird we rap thing you we do, you, you. Lorraine and Demi. Live. Saturdays, 2 to 6 p.m. On the best music mix. I see you. <laughs> you see me. <laughs> Corks 96 FM. This is Corks Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850 715 996. On Corks 96 FM. Just getting back to the Debenham situation for a, a quick second. Caller says I was laid off after 19 and a half years, but not offered statutory redundancy. I went to three TDs and to the LRC. Polygo Sullivan was the only TD who took up my case vigorously. He even mentioned it in the doll. I have good time for Debenham's workers, but the politicians should be for all the workers, not just Debenham's. The case is still going through the LRC as we speak. Well, as I said, no, 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 not a lot of love in the room this morning among the Devon workers for Portugal Sullivan, who last night in the Dáil voted against that bill, which they believe would have helped them. So did uh, Colin Burke TD, by the way. 1850-715-996, if either gentleman would like to explain why, then they know where we are. Now, Focus Ireland are looking for people at the moment to participate in this year's Shine a Light campaign. We've mentioned it many times over the years, and there's a little gang from this happy family of ours have gone down there to, to spend the night with them on Spike Island. This year it happens on October the 16th, and uh, Fiona Corkin's been speaking with their fundraising executive, Dick White, and also with Joe, who got in contact with Focus Ireland when she became homeless. And they helped her, and they got her a new place to live. Freedom. It's, it's, it's relieving to not have to depend on anyone else other than yourself. And actually, yeah, I know it's kind of a heartfelt, touching area here, like, because oh, I've always been so dependent on other people. So it's lovely to actually have my own independence back. Joe got her own home last February thanks to Focus Ireland. She contacted the service after she found herself homeless and says that as well as getting her a place to live, the staff treated her with respect. I feel like you're on top of the world. That, you know, you're not alone. You don't have to go through it alone. Um, it's hard to explain. But having respect for other people is just where it's at. And if you don't have that, especially in the, the housing industry, because, you know, there, there is a lot of people out there and that are still on the streets. And a lot of people don't have respect for that. 
they're they're just as bad as anyone else. They're trying to get places and they're doing the best they can. You know, they might not know about the services. They might not understand how to deal with the services. So it, it, I was lucky. Joe is one of hundreds of people helped by Focus Ireland here in Cork every year. Like every charity organisation, their funding has been hit because of the pandemic. So this year's Shine a Light campaign is more important than ever. They're asking business leaders and work groups to sleep out on Spike Island on October 16th and raise money for their services. Fundraising executive Dick White is assuring people that the sleep out will be in line with COVID-19 guidelines. The important thing to, for, to remember is that it will be completely compliant within all the regulations uh, that, that are in place. It will be completely socially distanced. There are 104 acres out there after all to, 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 to sleep in. So we will have it all organised. It is all in place. But there are other ways to participate this year. We're delighted to say that we have the at-work option for businesses to do it in their own work environment if they so wish. But we also have Host Your Own which is an opportunity basically for everybody, business leaders, community people, to get involved and sleep out in their own home on the night of the 16th in the safety and security of their own place. They don't need to leave their house. You can sleep on the deck, sleep in the garden, sleep on the couch. What we really need is for people to sign up, to participate with us, and um, generate some income for us to deliver our services here in Cork. Dick explains how people can sign up. Very simple, go into www.focusireland.ie, click on um, uh, Shine a Light, and you can sign the three options are there, host your own at work, or our business leaders on Spike, and we're, we, I will be back in touch with everybody who signs up. And as for Joe, what does she hope for her future? Hopefully to get a more extravagant place of my own uh, no I'd, I'd love to get a, my own house yeah I'd love to have my own house and start my own family and stuff and hear the relief in her voice and the, particularly in the early part of the package you know not to be dependent on other people as she had been for so long you can hear how much it means to her think back to our two friends living in the stinking rotten bus out near Blarney, Patrick and Adrian. Imagine how brilliant it would be for them. Imagine the smiles on their faces if something could be done for them, if somewhere could be found. 1857 uh, Donal was on from Bandon. Hi, folks. I hope all's well. I think I heard the vote to help the workers went 24 to 21 against. If the two Cork TDs had backed it, it would have been past 23 to 22. I can't verify that, Donald, but it sounds about right. Caller says it because the doll is sitting not in full session at the moment. It's in those limited numbers that they have. You know the ones, COVID-19 numbers. It's about time the government said why the law can't be changed because this issue seems to come up every so often. Politicians always say the right things, but nothing happens. It's not just the debitums. There are smaller groups of workers in the news for a bit here and there and well, as well. There seems to be a bottomless pit of excuses and book passing. 1850 I remember when Sale Gin was launched. And I remember getting the first taste of it and thinking, they're onto something here. They are big time. 
next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Junction Supermarket, Vickers Road. Everyday essentials, fresh bakery and Asian foods. Open every day to late. The Junction Supermarket, Vickers Road. Cork's 96FM is now streaming even more music choice. More music choice. Check out the Hit Mix online for fresh new music. Keep on dancing like you ain't got a choice. And stream the all-new Fit Mix for your workout. <laughs> Listen on your phone and smart speaker. Turn up the volume. Or go, go, go to 96fm.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96fm. Told you earlier this morning, and it's been in the news now as well since it broke here on the opinion line that St. Gabriel's School is closed because of a COVID 19 situation. And we read a letter sent out by the principal. We've just had contact from a parent, and I'll get to that shortly because I think it's important that it be that it be read out. But Kinsale Gin has completely swept the boards at a major awards ceremony in America and I remember as I said the first time I saw it and the first time I tasted it I said you're onto something here Ernest Cantillon good morning Ernest hey PJ in fairness <laughs> you've been with us since the start <laughs> us a appreciate it. I had a damn fine G&T and I thought do you know what you're onto something here just tell people what Kinsale has won um, I, look, it's it kind of cut us in the hop, to be honest with you, because there's competitions big and small, and you enter them, and you you know you kind of hope for the best. So we, um, it's um, basically the bartenders of America. Um, there's a you know a collection of bartenders from each state, and they get sent out samples of the products, and you go through qualifying rounds, and you you don't know if you've qualified it. You know, just all this goes on in the background, and um, like we would have entered that um, probably at the start of the year, uh, that competition. So it's based in San Francisco. Um, finals are and um, uh, it's called the Bartender Spirits Awards and they um, they pick so there's a vodka category a gin category a whiskey category I think maybe liqueurs then as well Um, so we were the second highest scoring product overall out of all the categories Uh, they gave us 97 out of 100 so that gets you a, a double gold. I don't know how you can have better than a gold, but anyway, they have a double gold, and I'll take it. I'll take it. Sure you would. Yeah, but they, but they gave us producer of the year as well, which is very nice because literally we just have um, our first container on the way to, um, to like a container is by far the biggest order or thing we've ever done, um, and it's full of whiskey and gin. How many um, bottles is that? Uh, it's around 11,000 bottles if we stack them right, uh, and hopefully they'll all arrive in 1,000 pieces, 11,000 bottles. So it's... Um, uh, I know just the timing is beautiful because while while you know we all know and like Kinsale, um, and I'm sure Irish expats over there maybe know it, it largely would be unknown. You know, yeah. so we're kind of starting afresh. R- remind uh, us, Ernest, where and how all this started. It started during the gin craze, didn't it? Yeah. So so to be fair, my um, my uh, two business partners, uh, are the publicans and ex-publicans, Tom Reardon owns the Raven and Colin Ross, uh, ex Clancy's. So um, it was Tom's baby himself and his sister. Tom lives in Kinsale and has for a long time, as does his sister, Cloda. And um, they originally started with the idea of making a whiskey. And in fairness, he got the ball rolling on that five or six years ago, but it only matured in every sense of the word earlier this year. Um, but uh, while that was going on, he went back to college, um, did a diploma in food science, to, you know, learn the science of brewing and then distilling. And um, 
uh, he uh, we, we I came on board with him. I had worked for Tommy gave him my first job in town managing one of his bars and we'd always kept in touch and he said look I'm working on this new project would you like to be part of it I said great and then um, uh, he said, look, I just think Kinsale, you know, people like the place. They have good memories of the summer. And he said, there's lots of really good wild ingredients down here. He said, I think we can make a cracking gin out of it. Yeah. So um, um, we got advice from, you know, people who are into foraging and asked, you know, different restaurateurs down there, good places to look. Um, and uh, we bought a little five litre still, um, which is a tiny little like, desktop yeah, thing. Yeah. And he made over 100 different combinations of all the different ingredients. So we tried things like seaweed and all these different things. Yeah. And trying to find different combinations. And um, I have the number written down somewhere. It was the, 50, the 65th or 66th iteration of it anyway, distillation. So, so um, effectively what you're telling me, Ernest, this started as a homebrew. Oh, sorry, 100%. So he was bringing it in every night um, he, when he was working in, in, say, the Raven. And, he'd, they would, you know, they'd, he'd have his regular customers there and he'd say, what about this, what about that? And they'd say, oh, it's really nice, but it doesn't taste like gin or it tastes too much like gin. In other words, it doesn't taste different to any other gin, too much juniper. Or, so there was all these kind of different things. And, like, we had some lovely tasting gins, but that turned out cloudy or, you know, we couldn't get it clear or, yeah. or, or those kind of things. So... Um, it was a real just clear So our very first batch was just 100 bottles. and right. um, uh, You didn't make them all in that small little still, did you? No, 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 we didn't. <laughs> and, and Michael and Bradley sold them for us. So we, who um, who really took us under um, uh, their wing was um, West Cork Distillers. Ah, yeah. um, so the guys down there, um, uh, John, John, Dennis, and they, um, like, they're a massive operation. And we, like, even still, we'd be tiny customers to them. But they just were massively supportive. And, um they showed us like the science of it and, and kind of took us on the journey and the gin is still made down there. Right. So we dropped the ingredients down there, thankfully, increasingly regularly because our, you know, sales are, are good. Right. Um, lockdown was, was mental for us, bizarrely, through, through super values. You know, like I'm sitting in, in, was sitting in a closed pub looking at shelves of drink that I didn't know what I was going to do with it. I couldn't even drink to myself. <laughs> and then on the flip side, the gin was going gangbusters. So it was a weird um, time. So um, I suppose we started entering competitions then with an eye to, you know, exporting the thing. And um, uh, but really, it was kind of the whiskey we were pushing out there, and we just entered, because gin isn't big in America. It's just starting to take off. And then, yeah. why it's kind of, why the time is nice for us is Ryan Reynolds, uh, the actor. Oh, yeah. He was stuck in a gin called Aviation Gin. Yeah. And Diageo bought that a month ago for half a billion. And, like, you'd hear of big drinks companies selling for, for big money, but for gin, that's just way out there. That's animal-like. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and, and the, the, in their corporate report, wherever they put it, they said, could they feel gin is taking off in America? Um, so so for us to win an award there at a time when products go out there, it's just, look, I always said I'd rather be lucky than good, and it is a good twist of luck. Don't get me wrong, I haven't sold a bottle there yet. I could be getting a container of, you know, 10,999 bottles back. But you know what, Ernest? Isn't it a massive cork success story for three lads who just said, you know what, let's give it a bash? Well, it's, I suppose, look, we, we, uh, we've spent... 75 years between us selling other people's drinks uh, and thankfully look I've, I've made a living doing it and I've enjoyed it it's kind of all I know how to do um, but just this straw came but geez, wouldn't it be great to be able to sell our own product and it just kind of grew out of that like the first 100 bottles were nearly all sold to family and friends you know like for that first Christmas um, so it's uh, I know it, it, look it's been good and again it's no surprise that for example that Super Value again a Cork company and almost yes. Graves yes. they're the ones who've been good to us you know yeah. like and and like probably couldn't even get somebody done to pick up the phone you know like and I probably still couldn't yeah. Super Value have us dotted all around the country well. um, and so just that 
look, that Cork thing, boy, it, it gets you. And it's it's going to be Cork publicans and, and diaspora in the States are going to be the first people who are going to call, like, you know. Congrat- actually, congratulations. Um, the, fu- the future is bright, yeah. Ernest. But lastly, really la- it, yeah. right, no, delighted for you. It's fabulous. Okay. Lastly and briefly, reopening the wet pubs. How's it going so far? Um, well, so we, we weren't open Monday or Tuesday because we only open electric on Wednesday each week and so we're on Thursday. But we were quite busy last night. Um, and so it was our first time having people in for drinks. The majority of people were dining anyway because we're kind of a foodie yeah. place. Um, but uh, just chatting to my colleagues around the place, Mo- Monday was reasonably busy. You know, people, I think, came out for look and for locals. Um, but it's, it's uh, people still have, to, you know, are reserving tables and, um, you know, it's table service and that kind of thing. So I, I think so. So far, so good. You know, Chanter Michael in the castle, and he's he's just delighted to be open because Indeed. it's just, it's just so destroyed to see it closed. So look, yeah. fingers crossed. I, I know the numbers aren't really going anybody's way at the moment, but I suppose all we can do is just day by day and fingers crossed. Do we're told service. wash the hands, wear the mask, and drink yeah, a pint exactly. with care. And everybody with great is, care. In fairness, everybody yeah. is wearing the mask, like you know. All right, listen, Ernest. Congratulations for the success of Kinsale Gin. Like they won around them double gold at these uh, awards in America. Gin of the year, gin producer of the year, and a double gold. How bad, huh? Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. We've had a statement in from Padraig O'Sullivan, TD, with regard to debitums. I will read that before we finish at twelve. And as I said, that message in from St Gabriel's from parent at St Gabriel's. Also, one more bit of business to do next. <laughs> that there for a very specific reason that was the recent select Irish on Cork's 96M, Irish Women in Harmony and Dreams uh, having listened to that have a listen to this Emma Langford, you'll forgive me, but as a DJ, I want to sit down with my box of beats and remix that. But it's a cracker of a song. Emma Langford, good morning. 
It's an absolute stonker. Thanks so much. Cheers. Yeah, beautiful really tune. It. Beautiful tune. And also, you, of course, are part of Irish Women in, in Harmony, and we're on that single, uh, the, the, the cover version of Dreams. Not only is Irish Women in Harmony after taking off big time, but uh, you two are on tour with a new album. Is she there? Oh, she's gone. She dropped off on me. Dee, can you try and get her back for me while I'm reading the statement? Sorry about that. Uh, we'll get Emma back. She was on the Irish Women in Harmony. Uh, she dropped off on me there. Right, let's read that statement from Deputy Podrick O'Sullivan. I hope you're well. Thank you for contacting me because Deirdre did. I'd like to say the workers of Debitums have been treated very unfairly and poorly by company ownership with the loss of over 1,400 jobs. Workers' rights and redundancy entitlements should be fully respected. The state will guarantee employment rights to the workers of Debenhams, including statutory redundancy. The Taoiseach, other ministers and I have met Debenhams, met the employers, rather, or the employees, to hear their views and concerns. Reports indicated there have been progress in discussions between mandate and liquidator towards a deal that could be put to the workers. However, there was a negative reaction from the workers, and some staff decided to occupy the vacant stores. Subsequently, the liquidator withdrew an offer, or withdrew its offer. It's deeply disappointed to see this change in prospect. It's now imperative that both sides resume discussions immediately to find a satisfactory resolution. We also have to make sure this type of situation doesn't happen again to other workers. The government is committed to strengthening collective agreements and will implement legislation to address the issue. I will continue to assist the workers to try to get the parties back to the table to reach a new agreement. He still doesn't say why he voted against them last night in the Doyle, though. Does he? All right, Emma's back. I don't know where you went there, Emma, but uh, welcome back. To, you're going on tour again, and you're coming to the Triscoll this Saturday. I am, yeah. Jeez, I hope I don't have as many technical difficulties on Saturday, I tell you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, myself and actually uh, Hannah McGarrett, who's uh, living in and from Cork, is joining me on piano as well. So it'll be just the two of us playing some of the songs from my new album. So yeah. I can't wait. Which is to get full back of those lovely harmonies. It is, yeah. Harmonies are really kind of a central part to the album. Um, I wanted to really celebrate the voice and what it can do and all that stuff. And the story you can tell with a good, strong harmony, you know. I'm, I'm big into a good choir, all that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's a big part of the album. It must be so great to get back entertaining life. It really is, yeah. I wasn't sure if I was going to miss it. And that, like, because I'm quite an introverted person, in, in a lot of ways like I quite like to have my own space during lockdown and everything but there's nothing like being in a room with people that are there to listen to live music and you're actually sharing this moment together and yeah. you know it's totally different to like live streaming or anything like that it's, it's a different energy it's so much fun and I've missed it so much so. Now the, the Women in Harmony came out of live streaming it came out of, of, of Zooming I guess uh, the term, but, and it's led to a problem what could be a, a bigger project who knows it might be the new A Woman's Heart you'd, you'd, you'd never know but get, field, yeah. yeah. But getting back out there live that's the thing yeah, oh, absolutely. And we're doing that as well. You know, um, we got to get together, the Irish Women in Harmony. A few of us um, were on the Late Late Show a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, And that. Uh, that experience of actually meeting in one room together. Like, obviously, there is something really cool about the fact that it all happens online. And, like, you know, we all had to record our bits at home. And there's, there's something really special, uh, even, you know, in history books. <laughs> hopefully, yeah. stories of the pandemic will be told. And, and that idea that people collaborated online and came up with things like that. Had you really any brilliant. idea when you were getting together to do, and that's an iconic, song dreams and of course you which are being from Limerick very mm. personal to you like had you any idea that it would take off in the way that it has 
considering who was on board, I had an inkling that it would. I, I hoped it would. Um, but, I mean, there was no way of telling how huge it would become. And, like, the fact that we're now looking at releasing an album together and we have a Christmas single coming out. It's and um, I don't know if you've put the call out on on your show about it, but we're looking for 12 um, girls under the age of 12 or of the age of 12 to join us as well for the Christmas single. So, well, you've just um, done that now. There you go now. You're so, looking for um, a, a chorus of 12 girls yeah, over 12, 12 girls to join a Christmas so single. A young, yeah, it's Brilliant. the Queen's Choir, so they're going to join us. Um, so yeah, I think you just look for Irish Women in Harmony on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, Brilliant. you'll find all the details there. But yeah, And, and to, you're back at the, you're at the Triscoll on the 26th. Uh, ticket numbers, I suppose, is up to the Triscoll. It's a, it'll be reduced numbers, I expect, but you're looking forward to it all the same. I can't wait to get back to work. All right, listen, Emma, congr- congratulations on the work with the Irish Women in Harmony on your own album, which is gorgeous, and every good luck for the future. That's Emma Langford, 1850-715-996. Right, at, at 26th, this Saturday night, this Saturday night at the Triscoll, not too sure about the situation with regard to tickets, but check with the Triscoll. A texture here reads St. Gabriel's. I want to highlight that St. Gabriel's Secondary School has currently closed due to an outbreak of COVID-19. All the children and staff connected with the school have to be tested. I need to remain anonymous. But I also want to highlight that this isn't due to negligence by parents or staff. Every precaution has been made by all involved. But as you know, the school is in very poor condition. Yes, we've covered that. And these conditions are making it very difficult for all involved in trying to keep our kids safe and well. The need that the children of St. Gabriel's deserve is a new school and has been highlighted for the last five years. And here we are in the middle of a pandemic with kids who all have health issues. And because the government hasn't built a new school, which was promised three years ago, our children's lives are at risk. Our children love going to school and this closure is going to seriously disrupt them. I was wondering when someone would pick up on that. St. Gabriel's has been in bad need of refurbishment or replacement for a very long time and we have covered it on the show. In fact, I was covering it when I was still in the newsroom. I'll tell you how long that's going on. So thank you for that. Uh, That's it. The programme edited by Deirdre Shottensey, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Podcast will be up in the afternoon and repeat in the early hours. I'm not here tomorrow. Deirdre sits in. Might be our last one. Have a good weekend and we'll see you on, I'll see you on Monday morning just after nine. And leave you with 20 seconds of this because it's gorgeous. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.